Yeah, it is. No, it's not. <laughs> This funky for now, Frankenstein. I know I'd go from rags to riches. Why, a four year old child could understand this report. Run out and find me a four year old child. I can't make a head or tail out of it. Faravelli, you've got the brain of a four year old boy, and I bet he was glad to get rid of it. Hi, I'm not Kirk. Uh, welcome back to YLS. We're doing top 100 scenes. Uh, I have n- no bearing on what's been going on because I, I wasn't here the last two weeks. So this is going to be great. Um, I, 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 I'm going to be an awful version of Kirk. And everyone's gonna hate this. So if for people like Cody who like are gonna take the scores into account week to week for themselves, you can just put an asterisk next to this one. I don't. I hope you like it, uh, Jack. Uh, how you been doing? You having fun? I are you winning? Are you winning, son? I don't. I, I, I came in second both weeks, so I'm happy. And there you go. I'm proud much of you. better than I've been doing on the last. Do you think week. you're gonna win this week? Uh. N- I don't think I'll win, but I don't think I'll come in last. Or I think I think second or third is where I'll finish, but we'll see. Good to know. Uh, Cody, I'm guessing you came first the last two weeks then? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would be correct. Uh, two things. One, yeah, co-host here. We'll do the best we can. He's kind of like Kirk, a little, little grumpy, a little depressed. But overall, I hope he gets to this show fine. Um Overall, I just want to say something before it goes on the record because I want to be the person on the record. Uh, Aaron Judge's home run record does not count just for AL. Until the MLB removes Jerry Bonds' home run record, it does not count. Uh, Overall, I think this week – I think I'll lose this week because you're here. But I may win. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, We're going to be the energy for this episode because um, you look like somebody in like – that's a burnout outside the high school. Tell me, hey, you want to try acid for the first time? Yeah, no thanks. Acid can be fun. Uh, speaking of people who do acid, Jake Marangoni. Uh, how are you doing? You waited this week? Uh, how are you oh, oh well. Lose? I don't, how are you doing? Uh, I don't know. Um, I might have better chances now that you're hosting, but we'll, we'll see. Um, I, You know, I'm having fun. I really am having fun. I win every week by getting the greatest reactions out of everyone. Not just on this panel, but also the people watching at home. So, you know, it's it's a win-win in, in, in ways. Kirk literally told you that he's going to tell some of your list that you can't talk about it because it's that bad. Like, that was so- to tell Supreme. Like, if anything was shit later on, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. So. Fair. Uh, and lastly, Scott, uh, how do you feel about your chances at winning this week now that I am not Kirk? Yeah, well, I got to say, I'm caught off guard. I was prepared to come on here and roast Kirk for liking the film Amsterdam, but uh, Coho, <laughs> you didn't really like it, so uh, I guess you have you have better taste than Kirk. There you, you go. I it. said it. Uh, but uh, no, I I actually looking at my list, I don't actually think there's some stuff you're going to really like, and I don't I don't think I, I may have a chance this week. I'll put it that way. Fair enough. Well, well, I guess right, uh, Jack. Uh, we're in the 8378. Let's let's get this going. 
All right. Uh, my number 80 is I'm coming back for everything from the social network. <laughs> I don't believe this is on my list anymore. Um, so. Okay, then. Uh, my number 79 is Matt's speech from Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, and my... Oh, yikes. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, I, I was a little concerned when he didn't say yikes. Uh, and my 78, I wasn't sure what to call it, but I settled on the bomb jacket from uh, the Hurt Locker. Oh, check on scenes. All right. Uh, I'm coming back for everything. Uh, this is... One of the, this is one of the most iconic scenes of the last uh, few years. Uh, well, last over a decade now. Uh, Andrew Garfield is giving the performance of his career in this scene, specifically. Well, in the entire film, but in this scene specifically, uh, when when he just walks up to Zuckerberg, slams the computer on the ground, and uh, gives honestly one of my favorite uh, just. Uh, oh my goodness, I'm tired. <laughs> it gives one of my uh, just favorite lines in film. I'm coming back for everything. Such a great scene. And yeah, no, Gar Garfield's uh, great in it. And Aaron Sorkin's script is incredible. So yeah, uh, we uh, my number 79 got yikes. My number 78, the bomb jacket from The Hurt Locker. This is easily my favorite scene in the film. Uh, it's incredibly tense. Uh, Jeremy Renner is giving a hell of a performance in this. Uh, basically, in this scene, uh, Jeremy Renner has to uh, break uh, a bunch of locks that are keeping uh, basically a bomb, uh, uh, a bunch of bombs uh, attached to this one guy. Uh, and as time runs out, you realize he's not gonna, uh, He's not gonna. He's not gonna be able to save the guy in time. And uh, once uh, it becomes clear that that's not gonna happen, you you are sweating almost as much as uh, as Renner is in the scene. It's incredible. the The direction from Bigelow is incredible. Absolutely phenomenal moment in this film. Okay, uh, come back for everything. Social network. Uh, I love the scene. This would be very high on my own personal list. Uh, I think this is Garfield's moment of the movie where he really gets to, to shine. I think he's amazing in it. Um, I think that even Eisenberg getting to be very reactionary in this moment and like still be in that character is like really well done. Um, yeah, I think if you're gonna pick a scene from the social from the social network, there's like one or two scenes you could pick, and this would be one of them. Uh, so good choice. Um, bomb jacket. Uh, Sure. Okay. Uh, the Hurt Locker is a movie that I think is like good. I just watched it. Um, I think this is like a good scene. I would never include this on a top 100 scenes of all time. Liz. I think that's a little nuts. Feels like you made a list of movies that your dad likes and just went through and picked a bunch of scenes. Uh, so, yeah. Sure. 78's high. Uh, Cody. 80 through 78. What are we dealing with? What are we looking at? So it's close. Just let you know, Coho. It's close with Jack. Jack actually found a list of like top 100 scenes, mm -hmm. included some of his personal choices, but it, overall, they're all going to show up at one point. I love that he said that's his favorite scene from the movie. Like, what the fuck else would you pick? Anyways, on to mine. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, number 80 is Excommunicado from John Wick 2. Mm -hmm. 
Um, my 79 is Stephen the Irishman, the introduction to him in Braveheart. And uh, the office party, Christmas party scene from The Apartment. Okay. Okay. Excommunicado from John Wick 2. I absolutely love this scene. There's probably only one in the trilogy that I actually like more. Um, Excommunicado, when Ian McShane, basically he's walking through the like the park and like meets him at the thing and tries to discuss like what happens now. And he's like, the only reason you're still alive is because I make it so. And then everybody freezes and stares at him. And like he he pauses the, the world, I, I say. And then... Um, He's like, you got one hour. And basically, and then Keanu says the most Keanu line of all time is, no matter how many, no matter who, whatever, I will kill them. All of them, or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that's Keanu being Keanu. And then he starts running. The, the He calls in the thing, the whole, like, type in the code, or type, like, sets the bulletin. Everybody's phone starts ringing, and him and the dog start running out. I think it's just like, an, like, John Wick has always been in control of his own situation. That's the first time John Wick's completely out of his own. Like he's he has no more connections, nothing. That's all been cut away from him. And I think it's like a brilliant scene to end that movie. Um, my seventy nine is Stephen the Irishman. Um, I love this scene. Uh, I love this character, and I was trying to pick a thing because I think it's brilliant when he introduces himself to the group, and he's like, he basically is like you're crazy, and he's, like, giddy and laughing. I don't know who, I can't, I didn't look this up prior, but whoever plays Stephen, like, the Irishman, I think is just a, a brilliant in this scene. He's like, it's back on my island. What, you mean Ireland? Yeah, it's my island. And he, like, talks to the, he does the whole speech where he's like, talks to the God Almighty, because it's the only one equal to an Irishman um, that is able to talk, to, like, his equal is the God Almighty, um, and he just wants to go kill Irishmen. It's just like a crazy scene with him just like around all these people and then he pulls a knife on the guy and the whole thing about to come down brilliant scene uh, best character from braveheart what i know and my 78 is the office christmas party from um uh the apartment i struggled with even picking a scene from this movie but then i really love this scene is because i think the the battle between both characters are so interesting I think Lemon, like, just excited because he's been promoted. He's got his own office. He's pumped because it's Christmas time. And he, like, and at that point, Shirley McLean is, like, broken down because she clearly, he won't leave his, uh, Fred McMurray's character won't leave his wife. Um, and he's, like, she, the relationship she has with him is real. The relationship he has is completely not and like he's she's he's like being nice and trying to cheer her up and like oh and she's like oh I'm too I'm a terrible person she's like he's like don't say that about yourself and then that uh, the other secretary or other woman comes in and starts telling him about all the other women that he's been like oh yeah and that last booth in the Chinese restaurant everything like she thinks is special about the relationship and he she just realizes she's just another number. And like the the open the final part is when she opens up the mirror and it's cracked or whatever. Like she sees like herself like there. It's just I think it's a brilliant scene. I think it shows exactly the duality between both characters, and it's the one that I think needed to be included on the scene. All right, uh, uh scene rules. Uh, I like yeah. this one a lot. Uh, I think that this is like a really really cool like setup. 
uh, and like I think three plays into this idea really well. So it's a, it's a good jumping off point. Um, so a good pick. Uh, Stephen the Irishman, uh, I watched because you sent me the clip today. <laughs> you sent me the link today, so I watched it. Uh, and it's good. Uh, good, cho- good choice. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I think he's nuts, uh, and that really plays into how good the scene is. Um, and the office party from the apartment is always good. Um, always good. So, yeah. Um, good choices. Uh, all right. Um, let's go on to Jake's 8278. 8278. Uh, yes. My number 80 is the tragical ending from greatest French movie <laughs> ever. Rubber. Uh, number 79 is the aim for the bushes, uh, scene from the other guys. <laughs> Shut up, Cody. <laughs> and number 78 is the skydiving shootout from Shoot 'em Up. The most Jake three scenes you could pick. <laughs> All right. Number 80. Uh, one of the most just bonkers ending ever. Uh, at this point, the end of the movie, uh, the tire Robert has been killed by the sheriff. The sheriff's like, you know, let's just end this movie. He shoots the tire a bunch of times with a shotgun. And then the guy in the wheelchair, I believe he's played by Wings Hauser, uh, sees the uh, reincarnation of the tire and he turns into a tricycle and then explodes his head. And as the tricycle heads to Hollywood, you see a bunch of tires come from the floor, come sentient and follow their leader, tricycle to Hollywood to get their revenge, to take over Hollywood. It's a great metaphorical ending and it's beautiful and we all should watch Rubber because it changes everyone's lives, like it did for me. Uh, number 79, Aim for the Bushes. Um, just a really funny scene. I remember rewinding the scene all the time when I was 13, 14, watching it with friends and we would just rewind, we, we, we rewind the scene so many times. We could not stop laughing at the, the impact of Danson and Highsmith, Samuel Jackson and and Dwayne Rock Johnson, as they jump from like a 20-story building, thinking they are invincible, <laughs> they can capture like these special forces, like these these in these like uh like thieves. Uh they think they're invincible, they jump and they die. Absolutely hilarious and uh really funny. I just think this is one of the best scenes from the other guys. Uh one there's one better scene in my opinion later on. Uh, and then number 78. Uh, the skydiving shootout from Shoot 'em Up. I remember this is very similar to the other guys in which when this scene happened, I just could not stop laughing. Um, the it does not need to look real. It's not trying to be real. It's just trying to be fun and goofy. Clive Owen has jumped out of an airplane after killing a politician, and Paul Giamatti, uh, diving straight in the river of Ham, tells his men to just just kill him. As ACDC's uh, "If You Want Blood" plays. Uh, he just goes around shooting people without any goggles, without a skydiving fucking, you know, a parachute. He just kills a bunch of people, and it's great, and it looks goofy, but that's, like, the point, and it's funny and fun, and the movie's fun, and we all should stand in the movie. If you think I watched any of these, you're... <laughs> that's insane. That's insane. I didn't watch a rubber scene. Um, it's rubber. Who cares? Uh, the other guys, same for the bushes, sure. Uh, I don't really love the other guys the way other people do. This scene's fine. Um, if you're gonna put a scene from the other guys, I guess that's fine. Uh, and uh, shoot 'em up. I didn't watch the shoot 'em up scene, I didn't watch the fucking shoot 'em up scene. So, um, good start, Scott 8278. 
All right, this is going great. Uh, number 80. Uh, we had a scene from this movie last week, actually, but um, a different one this time. This is the underwater dive scene from Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Um, 79, I have the baseball game from uh, Days of Confused. And 78, I have the dinner at Tommy's mom's house from Goodfellas. Um, all right, 80, uh, the underwater dive scene. Yeah, I like this one a little bit more than the the Opera House one that Jack picked. Um, it's still not my favorite Mission Impossible action sequence, but um, we'll get to that. But anyway, this scene is amazing. Obviously, Tom Cruise actually held his breath for like uh, six and a half minutes or whatever when he was under there. So that's just crazy to begin with. Um, but uh, yeah, this is like a, a great, I mean, it's, it's what Mission Impossible does great where it really like the action set pieces are very clear about what is going on, what the person needs to do, like what are the conditions under which they need to do it. It's like you have this much time to get this thing to this thing and like they don't overcomplicate it basically. And he's got to, you know, take the security profile thing down underwater, replace it, plug it in so that Simon Pegg's character, Benji, can walk through and it's not going to set off the alarm but of course he gets down there everything's about to go fine he gets hit by the giant wave you know the two disc things which look exactly identical go flying and then it just becomes a guessing game of which one is right he guesses right but then he like passes out ilsa has to come down and save him it's so it's a nice moment of like human humanity for ethan hunt as well it's just a great you know thrilling um scene like i said it's exactly what mission impossible does um, really well. 79, the baseball game from Days Confused. Um, another movie it's kind of hard to pick a, a scene from, but uh, this is the one I went with. Yeah, I'm just going to say this. I think it's probably true of multiple people on this call and certainly of people in this community, but uh, I was bullied um, at, when I was younger and in school. And um, so this scene is like, it has the tension of, you know, any, for anyone who has been bullied before, because obviously it's the scene where Mitch Wiley Wiggins character is pitching and O'Banion, Ben Affleck and all the other senior guys are waiting outside the fence to paddle him after he escaped earlier. And there's the great tension of like, they're about to win the game. You know, Mitch is on the mound. Like, does he just like, you know, wrap up the game here and now knowing that he's going to get a beating or does he like try to extend the game or whatever? Um, and obviously, you know, he ends up getting the out and then, you know, just kind of slowly walks and accepts his fate and gets paddled. Another small thing I like during this scene is that um, when Pink, who obviously is the high school quarterback, is like leaving the baseball game, there's some old guy that starts talking to him, uh, some like Homer from the town about, oh, we're going to have a great season this year in football or whatever. And anyone who grew up at, like in a town where high school football is big, like has known that guy and seen that conversation take place before. So uh, it's great. And then 78. Um, I had dinner at Tommy's mom from Goodfellas. Yeah, um, I love this scene because, like, you know, it comes at a time, the context of it is great. It comes at a time when um, they've just killed Billy Bats, and, like, he's in the back of the – he's literally in the trunk of the car, and they pull up to, to Tommy's mom's house. And so it's like they're at their lowest, right? This is like – you've seen, like, the dark side of the mob, the side that is not enjoyable, and now we get the contrast of it, right? Which is you roll up to his mom's house at two o'clock in the morning and she's got this giant Italian meal waiting for you. They're just like, you know, broing out at the table, like telling jokes, all this stuff. And it's just like, it shows you that seductive side of the mob. 
which is necessary for you to understand like how these characters can get so sucked in. It's like a family. Um, and I, it's also a very funny scene. Like I love when she's showing the painting and of the dogs and he's like, yeah, this, I, and Tommy's like, I love this one. The one dog goes one way. This the other dog goes the other way. And this guy's in the middle going, what do you want from me? Um, it's, it's great. Um, so it's, you know, Goodfellas has a lot of scenes you could pick. This is just one I've always enjoyed. Okay. Then water dive from rogue nation, uh, rules. Uh, this seems really fun. Um, I think it's like one of the best set pieces, like sneaky, good set pieces in a franchise that is known for great set pieces. This one doesn't get talked about as much. So I think this is a quality choice, uh, from rogue nation. Um, uh, really well done. Uh, Daisy Confused, a movie that I saw for the first time this year. Uh, I like the baseball scene. Um, I've only seen the movie once, so I don't like remember every aspect of it as vividly, but I think this is like a solid scene uh, from what I remember it being. So good choice. Uh, and Goodfellas, uh, I I don't remember the scene. I didn't watch the scene. I don't remember the scene. I clearly tell can tell you I probably really don't remember Goodfellas then in general. So can't I can't I can't shit on you for it. So decent start. I'll say. Um, anyway, uh, Jack, on to you. 77 to 74. Go for it. All right. Uh, my 77 is Percy Doesn't Wet the Sponge from The Green Mile. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, my number 76 is A Leap of Faith slash What's Up Danger from Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> yeah, this scene is fantastic. I'm sorry, but uh, this is some of the greatest just animation I've ever seen in film in this film in this movie. And this scene is my pick for just the best of it. Uh, it's the this is the moment where Miles Morales becomes Spider-Man and finally is able to um, man just accept uh, accept who who he is now uh, and uh, he fully embraces his his power and it's just mesmerizing to watch. This is one of the greatest just scenes I've ever witnessed in a theater before uh like first time in a theater uh it's truly incredible i can watch the scene at any point in any day and i i love it it's incredible nothing really that uh yeah what's up danger uh i love the scene uh, i love this movie but i love this scene i think it's the crowning jewel of the movie um i think it's a great scene a great moment uh the music underneath it just really Builds and it just is that moment where Miles just kind of comes into his own. Um, I love the scene, so I think it's a great choice. Uh, I saw reactions from Jake and Cody as soon as you said the words "What's up, Danger" and "Spider Verse." Uh, so we're gonna go to Scott first. Uh, thoughts on "What's Up, Danger"? Uh, yeah, I mean it's a great scene. Like it's a very memorable scene from this movie. Um, you know, I'm not surprised that it came up. I do love the movie as well. Not, you know, not my favorite Spider-Man, obviously. Um, but I do, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll hear about that. But yeah, I, I don't fault Jack for the pick. I, I'm trying to think if there's any other scene from the movie that I would pick. It's probably the one, right? Like, this has got to be the one. So, good pick. Uh, Jake. Um, so, okay. I... I want to love this movie. You know, I have said like, I've watched this movie like once or twice a year trying to love this movie. I just can't. It just isn't a film that I really connect with the way it connects with a lot of people. And you know what? I kind of envy that. 
Um, but this scene like gets talked about all the fucking time. It is a good scene, but I just kind of wish we were done with it. Everyone loves to talk about the shot where he's falling, but it looks like he's going up, the metaphorical symbolic shit. And it's cool, but we need to just calm down. It's a cool scene. I do like it. It's a little chaotic with the editing. It reminds me of Ang Lee's Hulk. It uses the weird, like, split-screen shit. I'd rather just watch Hulk, but, yeah. It's a good scene. Yes, because nothing makes me more excited about comic book and the medium than a saturated green donut walking around on screen, voiced by an Australian who can't act. Uh, Cody, uh, thoughts on what's up, Danger? Um, I knew it was going to be here. Um, I made a lot of choices on my list overall, especially when I heard Jack was the final person that I just literally erased off my list because I can still talk about them. It's like the 30%. It's been in YLS forever. Like, I don't need to talk about that scene anymore. Same thing with this. Like, this movie, the bad thing about it is the hype that it got because it soured some people or it's been talked about a nauseum. I think it's a great film. I never even thought of a, film, a scene from it to include because I think, like, yeah, I think the overall movie is a spectacle to look at one scene, like... Uh, yeah, it's just not my. It wouldn't be my choice. So, but I knew it was going to be here because Jack's here. So, all right, Jack, you're seventy-five. All right, uh, my seventy-five is America from West Side Story, uh, the the, the twenty twenty-one version. Yikes! Oh, nicer yikes! Yikes! That's the okay, first time cool. I've said it. So, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, Jack, you're seventy-five. All right, uh, my seventy-four is Paula's Revenge from Gaslight. This scene, classic. Jack. This yeah, is right? this is incredible. I love. I was not sure what to expect going into this film, uh, but throughout the film, Ingrid Bergman uh, is uh, her character Paula is basically convinced that she's losing her mind, and it's. Uh, horrifying to see the effects that it's taking on her as a as a person in this film uh and when the truth finally comes out also major spoilers for the scene by the way uh and the movie in general uh because this is like the climax of the film uh when the truth finally comes out and she realizes that she's been lied to and uh that she's not in fact losing her mind she gets her revenge on the one who had been uh, abusing her uh, mentally and it's and emotionally, and it's just the most cathartic <laughs> ending possible for this for this film. I cannot recommend it enough. This is the greatest uh, scene, uh, the greatest uh, moment from this film, and one of just the best scenes of uh, Ingrid Bergman's career. It's incredible. That's a pretty good one, Holtzman. I'll give it to you. Okay, okay. can we give him like comment of the of the show? Like, cause... oh no, I'm, well, I'm it's early. Nothing's it's early, still... but <laughs> I don't think anything's gonna be. I hate you, Holtzman. I hate you so much. Why do you do this to me? That's that's so the same. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Um, I don't really love Gaslight the way you do. Uh, it's fine. I like it well enough. Um, 
I I I wouldn't put this scene in a top one hundred, but like you stand this movie and everyone in it. So like specifically, if you had had this in your bottom like final ten spots, sure. I think seventy four is a little high. Um, but any other three gaslight thoughts? Never seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Scott, it's not a real movie. <laughs> Great. Uh, Cody, 77 through 74. Was that his last one? Yeah, yeah. it was 74. That was cool. <laughs> well, you know, with the fucking Undertaker in the middle of the screen, like, <laughs> rushing us through shit, you know. I, I I'm not know. rushing Is anyone. Anything? I just don't have thoughts on your scenes. Well, you suck. Okay, uh, 77, uh, The Bride versus The Crazy 88. Yikes. Uh, actually, can you go to Jake? I'm getting a work call real quick. I'll drop just to have him do a 77. Jake, what's your 77? Uh, okay. Uh, my 77 is uh, we're going back to the other guys. Uh, Christina. Wow. <laughs> uh, this is maybe my favorite scene of the movie, to be completely honest. Um, they realize, um, Alan realizes that the, the bad guys, then they stole the car. They accidentally uh, voice dialed uh, Alan's uh, ex-girlfriend, Christina, and he does not want to go to her uh, because she's kind of psychotic, but they have to find out what David Ershon's talking about on the other uh, line. So they go to visit Christina and uh, her husband, Hal, uh, who she's like completely embarrassed by. Um, and basically... She's still in love with Alan. Uh, she's waiting in like, Empire Records for like four hours, but it was like 13 years ago. Um, I just find this scene absolutely hilarious for the awkwardness of it. Um, the way they react. Christina, I don't remember who the actress is, but she is absolutely funny, which is this guy's. I've done things with you that I haven't done with anybody. And he's just does not. It's like, it, it reminds me of Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith and just that they, their relationship and how fucking psychotic it is. Um, and then there's a part where they go, uh, where Christina goes to grab his phone, uh, her phone, and then she's like, I hate you, I hate you. Oh, you're so adorable. Just say, I love you. I love you. And then they have the whole running game where Terry can't pronounce her name right. And then you have Hal go, it's Christina. If you come in here, you get my wife's name right. Uh, absolutely funny. And then they steal the phone. And then as they're running away, they Hal just goes, nobody. Yeah. Like, he just goes, get back here and make love to my wife. And then as they're like, they're like already gone, it's nighttime, they're looking, they're hearing the voicemail, and then they just hear how and Christina already behind them, they're like, oh shit, we just they just ran like 20 miles. They just come back here, make love to my wife. Um, absolutely funny. It can, it it does not need to be in the movie, but it feels just like let's just have like this funny moment between these these actors and have this like sort of great comedic uh, gold, honestly. Um yeah, this is a scene I just like to rewatch every now and then. Just, uh, really funny, Christina. It's a hard name, and even then, at the very end, Terry still can't pronounce the name right. Uh, I think he says Christina, which is funny. Uh, yeah, uh, this movie's great. Come back here, make love to my wife. <laughs> the fact is, I was just kind of fucking stupid. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I think this this scene's stupid. Um, I think it's a bad scene. Uh, I was one of the jokes that I really don't like for the other guys. I don't like. I don't. I'll be honest. Adam McKay, fifty-fifty. He's like literally fifty-fifty for me. Uh, and this is not one of the ones that I love. So every scene you've picked so far, it's like, okay, whatever. I don't care about this. So. 
Don't uh, worry, Coho. I've got a scene from Don't Look Up coming up here in my menu. You lose. Score, so. uh, I regret, I regret day, letting sir. Jake go for a 77. That, I hate the other guys. I think it's one of the like least funny movies. I hate movie. best movie. That's very weird. It's definitely not his best movie, you stupid. You know what? You know what? No, that's fair. You pick movies like you pick tag team partners, you know? Back in the day, you sit around, you know, you made stupid okay. decisions. I didn't want to and see then you Tim Smith, okay? He just kind of came to me. And I Tim Smith, the other I one. The, uh, the sad thing is you picked Michael after the other one got kicked out. So one. you didn't. His name is Paul. Well, no, we don't speak of the, the he sh- who shall not be named. But, yeah, terrible choice. I feel like we're getting so, off track here. Um, I think a little bit, yeah. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen the film, however, I know about several of the scenes just because my family talks about them at not at not uh, whatever. Just so no, much. I have yeah, I, I can't formulate words right now. They're hard. Uh I have never heard of this scene in my entire life. Uh I don't know. Maybe there's other scenes in the other guys that I've never heard of, but I clearly have to watch this now because I've I've never even heard of this. So I thought I knew everything about the other guys just because my dad and my brother talk about it all the time around me. But no, I guess not. Uh, it's a pretty good scene. Um, I I like the movie fine enough. The closing credits is awful and where he really jumps the shark. But um, my favorite scene is when they're in the Irish pub and Will Ferrell just, just like uh, sporadically joining in with the guys singing like shanties, basically. So that uh, that's the one I would have picked. But yeah, it's fine. It's fine pick. I'll right. go back now. Now we're gonna go back to Cody. Uh, your seventy. Uh, my seventy six is uh, "Come and Get Your Love," Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm um. Uh, <laughs> I one. This is my second favorite MCU movie of all time. Um, right behind, uh, you know, uh, Spider-Man. Um, but uh, this scene, when this first opened up, um, the thing that got me in this movie is the soundtrack. Of, like, and I love the music in it. And it just is so... It teaches you everything about Peter Quill, basically, when he's walking through and that music's playing and how he's able to dance through and he, like, grabs whatever. Some trivia player will tell me what the rat's called, but he grabs it and sinks into it. And like goes through it and like goes and gets the orb. It's just a brilliant scene. It's like it's exactly again. I'll say all the things. It's a risk that MCU took at the time, and I think it just pays off because it shows. It like an intro. It starts with like a sad, sad fucking scene, and then this is the very next scene is just the big letters him finding this orb and dancing his way through. It's I think it's just a brilliant scene. Uh, I think it's. And I, I know it's a little dark. It's a little like the lighting is not like up, to, but that is artistic choice. Uh, the director James Gunn wanted it to be a little dark in that scene just to make sure that uh, Peter Quill, you know, could have kind of stood out. So I just want that on the record that the dark is meant to be there. Why get the <laughs> I love this scene. Um, I do. I, I love the opening of this scene. Uh, I think that this is the. Uh, I think that this is my favorite sort of like character introduction of phase of the whole second phase of the MCU. Like when it comes to meeting characters in 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 uh, phase two, I think this is my favorite one. Uh, where we're just it sets up exactly who Peter Quill is. Uh, it's a great needle drop. The music just is perfectly just 
timed out with him dancing through Morag. I love it. Uh, great choice. Uh, everyone else on coming at your love. I like the scene. Uh, I remember uh, watching the movie um, for the first time with her mom in the theaters and just kind of, ah, okay. Wasn't expecting this type of opening. And I'm like, okay, something different. Um, I do. I, it's probably my favorite scene from Guardians. Well, there's a couple of good scenes, but um, I do just like how this just sets up the tone and what you're going to expect as far as music choices and just the fact that Peter Quill is such kind of a goofy character. That's cool. I like it. Yeah, this is uh, a fun scene. Uh, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, sorry. This is a fun scene. I didn't have it on the on my list, but glad you did. Uh, good pick. I don't really care about this movie, so I I only know the scene because it like comes back in in Endgame, I guess, which is which I actually enjoy. Um, so I you know don't really have that much to say. Cody, satisfied. I hate Scott, um, but overall, <laughs> seventy-five is uh, Celia. Celia tells off Albert uh, from the color purple, basically also known as the Thanksgiving scene uh, from the color purple, um, where they're all sitting around. And I said this to Kirk the uh, like Whoopi Goldberg like goes through this phase is like, can't you really act or can't like this is like a perfect like yes she can if she's given like the right material and I think this scene is absolutely incredible because you watch this entire movie of her be like belittled beaten taken from her uh, and moved in with this guy and ha as a young age and has to like have all these children with him and like doesn't get any choice in the matter basically. And then she just literally just sits across from the table and like says everything that she feels about him all at once. Like, like you're an awful human being like you're garbage, like just runs him down. And she's like, and the, all the guys were like, you better watch your mouth. Nope. Will not will not and like you guys were and like she goes to her kids even at one point she's like you guys are awful children awful you tried my patience it's basically at her breaking point where she just finally just said what she wants to and then um albert like gets up and like starts like coming back at her and saying like you know you're a terrible cook the house is dirty I, you're no good you're my first wife was better than you all that stuff and like he she puts a knife through his throat it's like say another bad word about me and i will kill you dead like basically at the table and then it's her basically escape and like she leaves the she leaves the um him in the back of the car and she's gone for good at that point but it's like a it's an absolutely just brilliant scene of her just like you see a character for two hours just completely get destroyed mentally and physically by the situation she's put in, and then she finally finds her voice again. I think it's an absolutely brilliant scene, and I wanted to include it because it's a scene I don't think a lot of people even talk about or even mention. Like, Color Purple gets like, oh, yeah, it's Spielberg's movie, but like, no one really talks about it in everyday film. Um, so yeah. Yeah, okay, this is another one that I watched because you sent me the link. Uh, I, again, I probably wouldn't have... See, everyone should have took notes. Send me your scenes. But then again, Cody at the advantage. No, no one knew. knew. Except Cody that I was hosting. Uh, but I... Um, advantage. Advantage. Uh, good scene. Um, I have never seen The Color Purple. 
Uh, so I didn't really have a lot of context, but I thought it was a very good performance in the scene. Um, so uh, maybe at 75, I don't know if I've seen the movie, could probably say, hey, this scene deserves to be 75. Uh, but without the context of the scene, yeah, uh, pretty good. Everyone else on the scene. This is one of uh, I haven't seen this movie. I'm excited to watch it though later this year. Hopefully yeah, I've never seen it. So I strangely haven't seen it, but I have read the book and I love the book. I think the book is super powerful. And I remember this scene and some others as well from the book. So I can imagine that it would be really, um, really powerful. But yeah, I, I need to watch the movie because like I said, I, I do love the book. So That works. Um, okay. My 74 is the steak scene from Black Mass. Um. Uh. So, crime, gangster, mob, my kind of movies. Uh, I don't feel like this movie gets any of the appreciation I think it should. I think this movie is absolutely like incredible for what it's um, told of the story of Whitey Bulger. Um. This scene is Johnny Depp's best acting performance to date. Um, and I'll stand by it. Um, I don't think there. I think there are other roles that he does a really good job in. Overall, this one, he he transforms into a whole other person. Like I don't. You can't even see Johnny Depp in this role after a while of the movie. And it comes to the scene where he's sitting across from the table. Um, and again, this is Whitey. He's he's descended into like more madness as the roles go. Like. He's killed more people. Everything is going downhill. Like the police are like squeezing him out a little harder. Um, and he sits across from the table, and uh, he's like, "This steak is absolutely incredible. Tell me what you did to the steak." And the guy goes, "Family secret. Uh, family secret can't tell you." And he sits there and he's like, "No, you gotta tell me. You got it. Like I, I have a knife." You got to tell me. And he finally tells him. And he, like, the whole tension, the air gets sucked out of the room so fast in the scene because he's like, I thought you said it was a family secret. And he's like, What? And Johnny Depp, like, in the scene, like, he's balding. Like, they have him in the bald, like, hat hair. He's got bright blue eyes. And he, like, sits across from me. He goes, I thought you said this is a family secret. He goes, He goes, Well, a recipe. Nope. You said secret. And he's like, well, he's like, you say something about a steak now, you say something about me later. Like, that's what got me nine years in leather, leather, Leavenworth and Alcatraz. Like, and like he looks over at, uh, I can't think of the actor that plays the, uh, Joel Edgerton, maybe? I don't Is know. He, he looks up. No, he looks over and he goes, don't look at him. He can't save you. And then he starts laughing uncontrollably. And he's like, oh, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. And, like, you can feel, like, the tension all over the guy because he's like, this dude's killed many people, and now I'm going to be the next one on the list. I think it's an absolutely brilliant scene. I think Black Mask goes completely underrated for people. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible scene. Incredible scene. And they use it in the trailer, which I really wish they were used in the trailer because it's better than the film. I didn't get a chance to watch this one, but you sold me on the idea of how this scene would be cool. 
Um, I have never seen Black Mass. Can't really comment. So no points for or against. Uh, anyone else seen this one? No, I have not seen this. Um, but I have no interest to. It's I've heard media things about it, and I've heard that uh, Johnny Depp in the movie is uh, Fat Nosferatu. So. Um, I I haven't seen this. To be honest, I didn't know anyone had seen this movie. So uh, today I learned something. Thank you, Cody. And the fact that you talk shit and you not you, Jake, and you have Venom on your list and Robert, please shut the fuck up. Okay, thank you. Yeah, but no one in Venom looks like Fat Nosferatu. So Venom, the movie looks like Fat Nosferatu. Jack, have you seen Black Mask? <laughs> I said no. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, we're on to uh, Jake, 76 through 74. All right, 76. One of the best endings to a comic book movie ever. Uh, when I think of the emotional resonance, the power, and the sort of the arc that the character goes through throughout the movie, uh, I'm talking about Spider-Man 2's ending. Uh, cool. Awesome. 76? Wow. Well, there's 13 more Spider-Man scenes. Uh, this is a very powerful scene. Mary Jane has left John Jameson at the altar, realizes that she is in love with Peter Parker, who she now realizes is Spider-Man. Peter has this whole conversation before where he says, we cannot be together because of my enemies, because it is too much of a threat. You, We cannot be together, even though they both love each other. And so Mary Jane makes the choice to leave John Jameson at the altar and just stand outside his doorway in his apartment and says, we shouldn't feel, we shouldn't be half of ourselves. You know, I want to take the risk with you. I love you. And then Peter just says, thank you, Mary Jane Watson. And then they kiss and they finally are together after like basically two whole movies. They're finally confess their love for each other and you finally feel something for him and then you hear the sirens and then you realize he's still spider-man and then mary jane says which michael has put in the comments go get him tiger and finally he has balanced his life as spider-man as peter parker he goes out becomes spider-man swings through the city with the cops and you see the, the american flag awesome you have the danny elfman music just, just beautiful fucking score and then you'd think that'd be the last shot, but no, it just slowly zooms in, slowly ends in onto Mary Jane, who's just watching outside the window, knowing that this choice has now impacted their lives until the next movie, until when crazy shit you know, happens in that one. Uh, but just the the fact that Rain was like, we're going to end it not on this visual spectacle like he did the first movie. We're going to end it on this just emotional, this, this, this moment with Mary Jane and just realizing, like, have I made the right choice? I just think it's an absolutely beautiful moment that a master like Randy would have made. Yeah, it's a good ending. Good ending. Uh, it's a good ending. Uh, I like Spider-Man. <laughs> I just went for This is my essay, and you just, like, destroyed it. <laughs> it was my masterpiece. Well, your masterpiece is about an A-. Uh, Spider-Man 2 is uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it's a good ending. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Go Get Him Tiger is pretty good. Uh Dunst is a is a is a pretty shitty actress, but she's pretty okay in this one. Uh, so good for her. Uh, bold choice ending the movie on her acting uh, could very easily have gone super badly, uh, but it it turned out okay. Uh, everyone else on the ending of Spider Man Two. 
Um, oh. Amazing, amazing choice. Um, not my favorite scene from the movie. Again, you will hear about that, but um, this is this is probably a close second. I mean, I don't know. Every scene from the movie is great, but yeah. As I wrote uh, last time I watched the movie, uh, I think it's physically impossible to just not yell "Hell yeah!" whenever Mary Jane says "Go get him, Tiger," because that is just like one of the most hype moments in any movie. Um, like he just nails the ending to both the first and the second movie. Just Spider-Man just swinging out there. It's just like, it's so awesome to see. So yeah, great pick Jake. I'm glad you had it on there um, because I, I didn't, I couldn't find room for it. Uh, Cody and Jack. Yeah. This scene is great. Uh, I, I got very concerned when you were building it Michael's up that you were going to, that you were going to bring up a scene from Hulk or Venom, but uh you, you, you did good. Uh, you, you picked a good scene. Oh, thank you, Chad. That means a lot for me. You done good, kid. You done good. Um, no Spider-Man was in consideration for my list. Um, the only one I knew, because I knew that I get to talk about whatever I wanted when Jake brought up. No, I think it was an incredible scene. I would, I'm surprised at 76 overall, but I think the ending is really strong to this movie. And I'm with, I'm with Scott. Yeah. Like, go get him, Tiger. Fuck yeah, go. Like yeah, it's a badass moment. I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred percent with you. It's a great, great choice. Um, I can't see, I can't wait to see what comes next to ruin this. But this one's really good at seventy six. Can't wait to like the, you know, when Bam sits on top of the 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 machine and gets a gold dildo shoved up his ass. Like that'll be great when he shows up in that scene next. That's, that's, that's pretty funny though. I think that's Jack S three. That's a yeah. But, anyway. <laughs> uh, oh man. Uh, 75. Uh, this is gonna this might surprise people. Uh, I'm going with the When She Loved Me, aka Jesse's backstory from Toy Story 2. Um, this is sort of this is Jesse's moment. Like throughout the movie, she's the really like up and go getter, really like positive attitude. She doesn't want to go back into storage. You don't really know why until this moment when Woody is about to leave. He's like, I've I got a way out, I can go back to Andy. And have fun with Andy. And Jesse just basically explains, like, yeah, I had my own Andy. Uh, and her name was Emily. And we just we have the the song When She Loved Me, which is a really beautiful song. Uh, maybe should have won the Oscar. Um, but you just see, like, very similar to how Woody has the relationship with Andy. You see that with Emily and Jesse. And then as Emily gets older, she loses interest with Jesse. And then slowly throughout the years, she's just like under her bed. And as the years change, she becomes a teenager, and then she's a grown woman, and she finds she accidentally finds her under the under the bed, and then just dumps her, like just puts her out in, in the streets, like near the this is the big big tree, like just a, like a storage sort of, it's like a full, yard sale or something for sale. She just dumps her, and then that, that's it. Like Emily has moved on from her relationship, but Jesse has not, and so that has sort of like soured her taste of why she wants to go to this sort of like toy factory or this you know museum in japan um and it's just really beautiful seeing like the i think a, a huge part of why the scene works is the song and i am it is just like just that really emotional um resonance and it's like very powerful like i don't i'm not someone who cries during movies but this is definitely one that gets like a tear from me or like i start to get my eyes get watery um but i think it's like a very very powerful scene and also just further adds to the themes of the movie of toys and growing up and sort of what happens with your owners. So, yeah. 
Yeah, this scene's really great. Uh, is is a very emotional moment in Toy Story 2. Um, great song, great scene. Uh, I think it really just taps into what it's like to, you know, like have toys and then lose them and like that feeling. So, yeah, uh, great choice. Everyone else, Toy Story 2. This is like great. the for last cut for me. Like, I think this is an absolutely brilliant scene. Last person on this call that I thought would have it overall. I did not expect that. Uh, I think this scene is absolutely what makes Toy Story 2, like, in my opinion, the best Toy Story. Like, the element, the, the character development, the, the exploring, the expanding of the world, but the emotional elements that this movie is able to create. Because, and, and I think it gets, I think it gets more and more the later we, like, in life we get, like, there are moments that when I was a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, that's cute, that's a moment. But now I'm like, I remember leaving toys behind and stuff like that. And if they had feelings, holy shit, they're pissed off at me. But, you know, like, like it's overall a great moment. And I think the song is just absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's a great choice. I agree. Best Toy Story movie. Um, I, uh, I, It's interesting, too, you know, that it kind of almost foreshadows, like, some of the ideas in the the next two movies um if because you think about andy being the one growing up then going forward um so it kind of gets at some of the like fear and anxiety and everything that you feel and the toys feel and everything about what's going to happen when when andy you know grows old get, get gets too old for them basically um so yeah great choice yeah honestly solid choice if i had seen this movie uh within the last couple years maybe i would have included this scene on the list because if you're going to include a scene from this movie this is it but uh it's been a while since i've seen the film but yeah no and absolutely should have won the oscar for best original song but that's that's fine who cares yeah oh well i actually care then yeah (laughs) you be in my heart yeah Uh, okay, so definitely, I've, I'm going to lose people with this one. Um, and this is a, this was a late inclusion. I want to say we were on call like a, a couple months ago, and we we watched we had a great double feature. Scott Cody, we were there. Um, we watched the guest, and there's a scene from the guest which I absolutely loved. Uh, okay. The exploding the diner scene. Yeah. Absolutely, 2014. Uh, absolutely, just like the power of the movies. I mean, it's it's not even like the most important scene, but it is just a really fun, absolutely insane scene. David is now in full Terminator mode. He's going around and kill everyone. He goes to the diner where I can't remember her name, but uh, what's her? What, Mike Monroe's character. I can't remember. I love the movie, but I don't know. Uh, Mike Monroe's uh, there, and Lance Reddick picks her up and says, like, "We got to go, or else David's going to kill you." And just as they leave, David shows up. And sees um, her friend Chris Dunn's like, do you know where where she's gone? So I don't know. So oh, forget. It. And just shoots her with all the people in the in the in the diner in confusion. Kills her. Grabs two grenades. Gives them a look. Throws it onto the floor and walks out. And then it explodes. Well, I can't remember what the song is um, that plays, but just like a really like like a love song plays during the scene and and david and krista have had sex before they were at they had sex at a party so there's a weird like relationship there where he's just like yeah fuck you i'm just gonna kill you and then explodes the diner uh just really funny and i just remember watching it and just going this is just amazing this scene is like the power of the movies where i'm just watching and i'm going absolutely breathtaking uh 
unexpected, but just really, really fun. It's just great. Yeah. So I'm going with exploding the diner from the guest. I have no fucking earthly idea what the fuck this is. I'm just totally honest with you. So, um, the rest of ya, good, bad, ugly, Doman, what is it? This movie, this movie is awful. This movie is. This is not a Cody this, movie. What? This isn't a movie. This acting, regardless if you're friends or not, everybody in this movie sucks at acting. And this film, in this film alone, they suck. Like it. It feels like. And this is gonna hurt some people's feelings. Maybe it just feels like a group of friends grabbed a camera and said, "You know what? We should shoot a movie." <laughs> like this is what comes out of the thing. Um. I remember watching it with Jake, and he goes, holy shit, I forgot, and, like, adds it to his scene that night <laughs> um, of the exploding dive. Because, the scene, like, the movie is, like, fine for, like, the first, like, I would say, like, 30, 40 minutes of the film, but then it turns into the, like, fucking weird, like, revenge, like, coming and hunting people down thing, and, like, he loses, like, all sense of, like, uh, like, oh, fuck you, kill it. And then, like, this dude has grenades. And, like, he's, it's like, there's a scene, I think, where he drives past the cops are, like, going, but he's, like, away with, I don't know. The movie's so bad. I can, I mean, I gave it two stars because of the enjoyment I had on call, but overall, would we'll never watch this movie probably again. And the Exploding Diner is by far the most outlandish. That makes no sense to the movie. What well, it is? See what what Cody is describing is the camp value of the movie, which it heavily leans into, which is why it's good and why this scene is good. Oh, period. oh, fair. Camp, camp, just yeah, it knows what it is. Yes. Oh, because a movie knows what it is, it means it's good. That's crazy. What if you? What if they're in camp but they can't act? Just curious. If they're in camp but they can't act, what is like? It's a campy movie, but they can. There, there's no acting ability. There's no acting. Doesn't mean it's bad. There's no acting ability from any of them on the entire. The dad is completely the most deranged. He's terrible. But at least he knows. Least he knows what movie he's in, and he knows what he's going for. Terrible garbage. So I haven't heard of this movie. I don't care if I'm the only one. You guys are delusional. Half of you are friends with one of the people in the movie. I guarantee that goes up some remarks. <laughs> you at least yeah. know it. Goes up yeah. some points. Yeah. Overall, garbage. Have played trivia with him before? Yes. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, congrats. I tell him to his face. Guess is terrible. Enjoy it. Dan Stevens, of course, is who we're talking about. Just to be clear. God, yeah. He is also terrible. <laughs> All right, I swear I didn't do this on purpose uh, and switch my list because Koho's here, but 77, probably my favorite character introduction in a movie. It's Jack Sparrow arriving <laughs> at Port Royal. <laughs> well, we know who won this That's week. That's going to win Scott the week. God damn it. This is a great choice. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's such a great character introduction. It tells you, like, everything you need to know about this character, like, it starts off with just like the majestic shot of him, you know, on the top of the, the boat and everything looks, you know, normal. It's great. You know, here's the, the captain and he's, you know, leading his ship and the powerful uh, Klaus Bedelt music is, you know, on the on the soundtrack. 
Um, and then, of course, we see that everything is not quite right and that the uh, boat is filling with water. He's trying to throw the water out of the boat, but he has to stop, of course, when they pass the pirates and, you know, salute salute the hanging pirates. Um, and then, of course, you know, it ends with him um, bringing the boat into the the port as it sinks and stepping onto the dock as it like is completely submerged under the water. Uh, it's yeah. Again, it's great. It, it captures sort of the uh, goofy appeal of Jack Sparrow of like, he, he, it's not always the prettiest what he does. It's not always the smoothest, uh, you know, or the, the most badass or anything, but um, he pulls it off somehow because he's clever and funny. Um and uh and you know so it's a great way to set up that character i like his first sort of exchange of dialogue with the guy there he's trying to like get his name and everything welcome to port royal mr smith um it's it's a great introduction this is maybe the greatest character introduction ever on film uh i think this scene is amazing uh i think when he's standing on top of the mast as it comes down it times perfectly than getting on the dock like you said just the about three shillings forget the name welcome to poor royal mrs smith uh i think that entire opening perfectly surmises who the character of captain jack sparrow is everything you need to know about him and i think it sets you up perfectly for the adventure ahead with this protagonist great scene great choice uh no one else had it why i like this movie for the record I think this movie's fun. This is great. Um, is. And this is a great introduction. It's just one that I just didn't think of. And also, I had a hundred other scenes that I really love. And I just decided that I wanted to go with those ones. But this is a great scene. I just think the the, the, the visual gag of the sink ship uh, uh, sinking as he goes. Um, it's great. So, not the scene I would pick from the film. Uh, not my favorite from that film. But it's still a great introduction scene. Uh Good pick, not wouldn't be on my list. Uh, I considered it. Um, there's a lot of choices from these that you can choose from. Um, would not be my choice from this movie, but I didn't choose anything from the trilogies, so that's yeah, that's I know. But uh, being around you and running a show with you for three years, I we've talked about this mm -hmm. ad nauseum. Jack, All right. Jack and Jake, do you guys talk about it yet, or did I just blank? Yeah, yeah. 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 You blank. How delusional! Like you can't even hear people talking. Listen, Jake opened his. I don't watch movies. Jake says something about a Spider-Man ending. And All right, seventy-six. Uh, I have the ending airport scene from uh, the Killing, the Stanley Kubrick masterpiece. Yes, um, it's this is probably the greatest heist film ever made, in my opinion. Um, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and this scene is, you know, amazing. Like you think that they're out of the woods, you know, obviously everything has gone to hell. And yet here we go. You know, Sterling Hayden, he's got the money. He's got, you know, going to the airport. This is the last step. He's going to get away with his girl. And uh, it's all going to work out exactly as he's intended. Um, and then something small that you know they could have never planned for starts to get in the way and that's first that's the luggage person right saying oh you're gonna have to check your bag you know we're gonna have to check the bag it weighs too much you know we can't put it on the plane which is something that everyone's experienced even to, in today's uh day and age at airports uh and so it's great to see something like so 
practical and realistic, like all of a sudden complicates like this master plan. Um, and, you know, eventually they get it out there on the, he's at, you know, his desperation comes in Sterling Hayden's desperation. Like this is the first time in the movie where we really see him like sort of lose control because he's so in control um, most of the time. And then of course we get it out there on the, on the tarmac. It's being, you know, driven over to the plane and the little yapping dog, you know, big spoilers here, um, you know, knocks it off of the, the car, it pull, you know, it opens and the money flies everywhere. And just that image of the money flying all over the, the tarmac is just incredible. Um, it also epitomizes why I'm not an animal person because you never know what those things are going to do. They're completely unpredictable. Um, and also the last line is amazing of them just walking out of the, um, airport the police coming right after them and um his wife says to him like you know what you need to run and he's like well what's the difference because at that point he doesn't have the money so you know just turn yourself in at that point um and it's it's a great sort of cynical like bit of dark comedy to end like what i said is like one of the greatest heist movies of all time if not the greatest yeah, The Killing was a movie that I I, I enjoyed. Um, a lot of people told me that I would like adore it, and I didn't feel necessarily that way about it. Um, but I do like the ending. I think the ending is actually really well done. Uh, so solid, solid selection. Um, the rest of you guys, the ending of the uh, The Killing. Uh, great ending. Uh, great movie. Uh, I recently rewatched this uh, for uh, for a pod, and it's just like just. Reminds me, reiterates why this movie is fantastic. And if we ever did the wireless uh, top 10 movie heist, I definitely would include The Killing now on a rewatch. Um, and the ending's great. This stupid ass dog just ruined everything. And just the way, yeah, Sterling Hayden just like acts and he was just, just like, there's nothing with it. Like, so he just walks out and he's like, yeah, it's over. Uh, really great ending. And uh, that was done because of the Hayes Code, where they was like, we can't reward thieves by. By by winning, we have to we have to have this sort of uh, ending to to show that you know crime doesn't pay. I guess you could say. Yeah. I've never seen the movie. That's actually shocking. Yeah, actually, <laughs> the last. But I married a witch was on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's a great movie. I don't know what to tell Watch you. Different. Um, all I would say is that dog would not make it off the airport. Um, <laughs> like at all, like. There, I've said it before. I'd have killed that dog. There's no question asked. I do not care. That is one of those like I've never been more mad than that dog in my entire life watching that movie. Like you son of a bitch. Like it's so bad. Um, but yeah, great, great movie. Great. I mean, the killing. If you haven't seen the killing, yeah, it's a quick watch. Just it's great. It's fantastic. So it's one of his best stuff. So, good choice. Yeah, it's like eighty minutes or something. Yeah. So good. Um, all right, 75. Uh, I have another ending. This is from the movie Wild Rose. Um, yeah, I, I this is another movie kind of like, uh, what was the movie last week? Oh, Dark Waters, where I'm like, I, I just want to beat the drum for this movie until, to get more people to watch it. Um, but basically, this is a movie about um, a young woman in Scotland played by Jessie Buckley. Her name's Rosalind, and she gets out of jail at the start of the movie, and she wants to resume her dream of being a country singer but she has two kids to take care of and you know the whole jail thing is kind of seen as well now that you've done this you need to like come to terms with reality you're not going to move to nashville you're not going to become a country singer it's not going to happen 
And so the rest of the movie is about her trying to sort of balance these two, her responsibilities with her family and the dream that she has of being a country singer. And eventually, you know, again, more spoilers, but she does go to Nashville. She realizes that this is not exactly what she wants and that she wa- what she wants is back at home and it's with her family, even if it means she's not going to, you know, be a successful country singer. And the final scene is this kind of almost fantasy-like scene of her, but it's, you know, we're supposed to believe it's real, of her at the Grand Ole Opry, which is like the one honky-tonk bar in Scotland where she would always sing. And uh, the crowd is packed and she's playing her own solo show. And she sings this song called Glasgow, which um, if we're talking about songs that should have won the Oscar, I mean, wasn't even nominated. It's ridiculous. Um, Mary Steenburgen actually wrote the song, which is really random, but um, it's a beautiful, stunning song. And it takes on so much more meaning when you see the movie, because the lyrics of the song are like specifically about the journey that Rosalind goes on. And it's such a powerful scene. I definitely cried the first time I watched it. Her kids are in the crowd. Like her mother's there. Julie Walters plays her mom and is really great. Um, Bob Harris is like the BBC country DJ. He's there. Um, Sophie Okonedo, who plays a huge role in the movie, her character. Like it's like everybody has come together and they're now watching Rosalind sing. And she's kind of gotten to have the best of both worlds in a way. Um, and so it's a, it's a really happy, like crowd pleasing ending. Uh, but it's one of those examples of a movie that really, truly earns it because um, the journey that it takes the character on is super realistic and and hard. And uh, Jesse Buckley is so amazing in this movie and, um, you know, should have won everything. But she, um, you know, really plays all sides of this character. You don't, you don't fully like her the whole movie, but um, you come to understand her by the end. And um, watching again, watching her journey is is pretty powerful, especially in the context of this song. Uh, Wild Rose is a movie that I have not seen since 2019. I remember thinking it was fine. Um, I remember the ending being my favorite part of the movie. I don't know if I would include this on a top 100 list, but it's like, I get how much you love the movie, so I can give you like a pass on that. Uh, I will absolutely back you up. Glasgow should have been nominated for the Oscar. Uh, it's not my personal winner that year, uh, but it is a great song. Uh, and certainly better than the one that did win. Still love Elton John. Still love that song. But glass oh God, yeah. Uh, Jake, thoughts on Wild Rose? I really need to see this movie. Uh, I've heard people tell me to see this, and I just haven't really got around to it. And this is sort of when like the hive of Jesse Buckley sort of uh, sort of came from from this movie. So yeah. I got I gotta get to it. I definitely will. I hope soon ish. Um, yeah. So would you believe me if I told you I had never seen this movie? Yeah. Yes. Um, so besides the now almost 5,000 viewed episode of the round table, that's on the channel. Thank you. Shout out India. Thank you so much. We're going to be doing more Indian films. Um, Um, but overall, um, this was supposed to be on the first episode of the round table. Um, there was an episode prior to the one that we shot first. Um, and this is what Scott's first pick. I watched it. It took seven, like seventeen months, probably only three, but to schedule that thing, so it never happened. Um, I like the ending. Would it make my list? No, but I, I'm upset. I never really got to talk about the movie. I overall enjoyed it a lot. I think it's, I think it's um, such a. I, it's kind of like touches into like kind of the 
like music that I grew up around and stuff. So it's like stuff that I found really enjoyable of it. So I think the ending is really brilliant in this film. So yeah. Uh, also, go check out the roundtable. New one coming out in two weeks. Two weeks. Right. Good one. Uh, Scott, you're 74. All right. Let's do one more ending. Let's do one more 2019 ending, actually. Uh, Uncut Gems. Um, do I hear Maybe. Know <laughs> you know your list. Know your own list. How far? Not a yikes. Not a yikes. Not a yikes. Uh, okay. All right. So, um, all right. Uh, yeah, I mean, this movie's amazing. Uh, and everyone, you know, knows the ending. And um, Howard watching the end of the basketball game with everyone trapped there in the little glass booth. Um, and I, I think my maybe one of my favorite moments in the movie, maybe my favorite moment in the movie, um, is after, you know, he wins the, the bet and it's, you know, it's clear he pulled it off and he's celebrating everything. And there's just like a shot of... Um, Eric Bogosian, uh, his face. And he just has this look on his face of like, he's disgusted with him, but he cannot help but like crack the slightest li like grin, even though he's like locked in this thing, he's in this situation, but he like gives like this slight smile. His face just cracks a little bit. And that's how we feel about Howard the entire movie. It's like, this guy is morally reprehensible. He's a terrible person. But, like, you can't stop watching what he's doing, and part of you still wants him to get away with it, even at the end, after he's alienated everyone. Um, and, of course, you do think he got, gets away with it for a brief moment, and then the door opens, and bang. Um, and that's, you know, that's one of those moments, if you saw the movie in a theater, which I did, it's like, uh, and actually, I had the, the benefit of I watched it not in a theater the first time. And so I knew what was coming the second time and I couldn't wait to hear like the reaction and, you know, the gasps and everything for people. Cause it's so sudden when he just gets um, iced uh, is, is uh, you know, one of those great theater moments. And then, you know, finally we have Julia Fox unknowing of what's happened, like getting in the limo or cab, whatever it is to like go and fly away with all the money. And so it's in its own way, it's like the best ending that could have possibly happened. Right. Because she's the character we like the most and that, you know, is kind of the heart of the movie and she's getting away with all the money and she's not going to have to deal with Howard's BS anymore. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's, it's sort of a double edged sword, but um, a great, like, shocking ending and a great way to just, like, release all of the tension that is just escalating for the entire uh, entirety of the movie. Um, and just, like, unforgettable ending to anyone who's seen it. Yeah, I think that the ending of this movie rules. Um, this movie is... I, I would find it impossible to pick any scene from this movie to represent this movie because I think all of it is just so great. It's not like a scenes movie. It's like the whole movie feels like one <laughs> continuous thing to me almost. So I would have had a really hard time picking it. I think the ending is a decent choice to represent it all. I think it's a great ending. Um, yeah. Like you said, when it, when when he finally gets what's going to happen to him, you're just like, fuck. Because you just, you really wanted him to succeed, even though he really should. Um, everyone else on Anka Gems? Anka Gems? Anka Gems. Uh, the ending of this movie, again, I when I saw this movie, how I didn't see it earlier was like an instant, like my favorite movie of that year. Um, I think it's just absolutely brilliant. Um, 
especially somebody that watched that playoff game um, when it happened. So I was like, oh, I know you're going to cover. <laughs> like, I know the Indian. You're going to be fine. But when he wins and that door opens and he gets shot, it's like I remember feeling like completely like my heart has been racing this entire movie with Howard and like, can you stop? Can you please stop? I need you to just like lay like you won your money. You don't need to win anymore. Like you're good to stop. And then when he finally like it feels like the one moment of levity, like he's like, oh, he's clear now. And the guy comes in and shoots him straight in the face. It's just like, and I felt like every like the wind like completely knocked out of my sail. Like I was just like, wow, this movie's incredible. <laughs> like, like because if he would have got away, like if he would have paid off, did everything, that man's just going to continue the same life that he's already in and everything. And the only way out was that. And like that was yeah. crazy. Like the way the movie, I think it's brilliant. Um, so great choice. I. Kind of pissed on it and put on my scenes, but no, like good choice. Um, I like I like Uncle Jams. Um, and the ending, I at the time the <laughs> at the time I would never I, I just wouldn't really like get with the ending. I didn't really like the choice that that the Safleys made with with Ratner uh, with Howie. With Howie. Um, but as I think about the scene more, and as you know, the years have gone, I've thought about like it's the it makes the most sense for the to to me to end with his death. And in that ending, he thinks he he's won, and that's his last memory in the sense, like when it like the last shot of the movie when it zooms in on his eyes, and you have like the whole sort of visual look that they replicate when he's looking at the uh, the gem. Um, he's smiling, he's happy because he's done it, and that's his last moment of like real sort of like victory. Um, and it does like it does feel good that Julia Fox, like, who's like the best character, the most you know morally right. I'm, I'm, you know, as far as compared to some of the other characters, like it goes to show that, like, yeah, he did something good in the end, and it's uh, it's pretty good. I don't, I do not really like how they just like steal all the shit in the pawn shop, but like that's okay. And then they kill the cousin, like what? But anyway, uh, anyway, still a uh, great scene. I am so mad at myself right now because this was on my list. <laughs> at some point and it's not there anymore and i don't know what happened but i'm 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 sad uh because i didn't have this on my list uh great pick scott uh watching this film for the first time i was almost it, it was like holding my breath the entire time uh through the film and as soon as he wins uh like as soon as the game's done and he wins i finally low oh, oh, uh, a sigh of relief just feel like okay thank god okay this is done now and then he gets shot in the face and it's like oh now i'm it, it, it's a brilliant scene uh the fact that's not on my list is upsetting to me but uh hey glad you had it on there so good job by mary witch <laughs> anyway uh, now we're on to 73 uh we're doing 73s now so jack which is 73 all right, that's where you remember. It's the scene, not the movie, because the movie is terrible. But my goodness, Duel of the Fates from Phantom Menace is one of my favorite scenes in <laughs> yes. Star Wars. The movie is not terrible. Uh, well, anyway, this scene is brilliant. Darth Maul is one of the most badass characters in the Star Wars universe, and 
his battle between uh, the battle between him and Qui Gon and Obi Wan is when I think Star Wars, there are a few scenes that come to mind. This is one of the first. It's brilliantly choreo choreographed. Uh, it's got one of the. Uh, I, I remember being like, when I saw this movie for the first time, when I was like, I don't know, seven, eight, uh, maybe earlier, I was crushed when Qui-Gon got killed in the scene, but it's just br absolutely brilliant. How the rest of the movie isn't as good as the scene, I don't know, but, it's, you know, hmm. Uh, I don't know about that, uh, but no. And also just uh, looking back on how this is one of uh, the most important, why it has its name and uh, how it's one of the most important scenes in, in the saga. It's fantastic. And I could never get tired of watching it. There's, yeah. There's okay. That. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. This I think this scene is really good. I, I will give you that. I think Duel of the Fates is the best thing in The Phantom Menace, and it's actually very well done. I think the fight's really well done. The choreography, the score in this scene is amazing. Um, some of John Williams' best work. Um, I think that it's... I think Darth Maul is really scary as a bad guy, and I think Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon getting to work together and you get to see them fight with Darth Maul, I think that's all really done well like it's actually really visually interesting choreography uh one of the best fights in star wars so i'll give you that uh i think it's a great scene uh good good choice uh everyone else on duel of the fates y'all go first um fucking so... c-span with lightsaber let's let's fucking go <laughs> um, listen just say this is great like sure of the movie yes this is the standout moment of the film because everything else is awful um across the board the only thing this movie gets credit for is because we never saw a dual lightsaber lightsaber he doesn't talk he has a red face and everybody's like "Ooh, scary the only thing you're thinking about darth maul is intimidating or whatever is from now stuff that we know about in this movie not at all and you're saying one of the most important moments. Yeah, he cuts down Qui-Gon that we get to introduce for one movie that no one knew was prior, really. Listen, this movie gets the credit for being the one scene from the Star Wars movie that everybody's like, you know what, Phantom Menace is garbage, but you know what's good? Duel of the Fates. Yeah, thanks, John Williams, for creating a great score. And there's better Star Wars, there's better lightsaber fights to come. And no one has a duel... And no one since Maul is able to have a uh, double-bladed lightsaber. Why the fuck's that the situation? Never explained. Garbage. Um, so my lawyers have advised me that I'm not allowed to use certain terms when I'm describing how I was able to watch this, how I was watching this movie. But let's just say I was in an altered state of awareness when I rewatched this movie this year. And... Um, it was kind of awesome in the last 30 minutes. Um, the whole Duel of the Fates shit was, like, pretty fucking great. Um, it is also kind of interesting. The reason why it's called Duel of the Fates is that this is the battle for Anakin, like, his fate. Um, because if Qui-Gon lived, then he, would, he wouldn't go to the dark side. Like, no, really? It's pretty fucking cool. I didn't need to be on hallucination drugs to know that shit. Thanks for that. Alleged that my lawyers have not told. I oh, what I said. sorry. On whatever altered state. Altered state awareness. Um, and I mean that the whole sequence is fun to watch as it's as is like this is synced. Like Jack makes a good point. We're not talking about the movie. Maybe fucking sucks. I think it's terrible. Uh, Jar Jar's stinky poo poo. 
But um, I do think the Dual Fed stuff is, is pretty great. And uh, yeah, we should just respect that. Uh, the... Well, so it just also makes sense. I mean, one thing that doesn't make any sense is the shield doors that just show up and then choo choo choo. And then, oh, they, what is the point of them? There's like six of them. They just do that for like 10 seconds and then they, they it's just, that makes no sense. Um, but hey, it looks cool for the film or whatever. Um, but yeah, no. And there's the part where um, everyone fights um, after after Darth Maul's killed um, Qui Gon, where he just like goes bash insane. And I, I thought that scene was pretty good, a good moment. Um, so yeah, to all the fates, the Battle of Anakin begins. Um, I've watched this movie many times in a complete state of sobriety, and uh, it's it's a good movie. Um, it's the best prequel. Um, and there are multiple scenes from this movie that you could have included justifiably on your list. Um, this scene is great. I mean, it, it just straight up is. I, how about the part where they're just like standing uh, across from each other, like waiting for the shields to go down, like, and it's just like so tense. Um, you know, everyone talks about like the music and the lightsaber part, but, but that's like a great moment where it just sort of like stops, but it's still equally suspenseful. Um, yeah, this movie gets way too much hate. Um, this scene is great. You could have also picked the pod race, and that would have been completely justifiable. Now this is YLS. Pause. Pause. I don't care who fucking show this is. You have the audacity to come out for certain movies in MCU, and you're saying the fandom is. You, your judgment of films just went from like here that I can respect to the bottom of the pit. That is garbage. I'm not at the bottom of the Different times, franchises. You can be tied at the bottom. Compared to the 2010s when the MCU took over and has changed the idea of blockbuster and filmmaking, I will admit. But what? This movie has an identity. It's a different era. Like, it doesn't matter what era you're in. Jurassic Park came out in the 90s. Jaws was 70s. Blockbuster's been around. So just because the game got changed, you have to play in the game, in the world that you're playing in. And you're in the world you're playing in? 99 was garbage, and they did a terrible job. He likes it because it's like, it's lawyer speak. It's lawyer speak for two hours in that movie. He sits there in their C-SPAN and, like, (laughs) meetings and uh, the Senate talks. He's all for that. Uh, This is the best prequel, and you will be punished accordingly for your slander. Uh, Cody, uh, number 73. The shipyard scene from Batman Begins. Um, Batman Begins is my favorite Batman movie. Um, I I love the origin story, and I love the elements inside this scene. I think there's a lot, like when he. This is like the first one that we actually see Batman like do the the stealth hunt like movement at night stuff that I loved from the animated series and like the Arkham games and all that stuff where you get to like, those are stuff that the end Arkham games came after, but overall, like that's the stuff I love. Like when outside the shipyard door, like out of the container and you don't see anything and he gets pulled in and the music and they're like, and they look up and he's from the top and he's taking everybody out and you see, uh, uh, What's the bad guy's name in the fucking film? Uh, Falcone. Falcone comes out and, like, looks at what's going on and, like, realizes he's beating the shit out of everybody. And then, like, you hear him on the top. And, again, it ends with the famous, like, who are you? I'm Batman. I like it. I still, to this day, enjoy it. It's still one of those fun things. It made a lot of, like, dads at the time do the impressions for way too long, including my, you know, 
my friend's parents. Um, but overall, I think it just shows how it's the first time in this in the Nolan movie that like Batman is like like move at night stealth and i think it's brilliant with the score mixed in with there and the sound i think it's brilliant so shipper i will always be a sucker for the scene in the batman movies where he first shows up beats someone up and they're like who are you he's like i'm batman it's like my favorite well keaton's uh bales pattinson's all of them all of them love all three of them uh i love this one i think this is uh a great scene my favorite part is when the guy just is where are you here uh is great the way he just shows up and like throws his voice around and like uses the shadows it's a great it's a great scene that just shows you in action everything we just learned about him for the first 35 40 minutes of the movie of seeing him do that stuff and now see him put it into practical uh practical use in his first outing as batman it's great and to cap it all off with him putting falcon up and creating the first bat single bat signal is great Great scene, great inclusion. Uh, is my favorite scene from Batman Begins. Uh, I think it's like a brilliant scene. Great choice. Uh, everyone else on the ship here. Um, this might be my favorite Batman movie. I've thought about this hard, and I'm always between Batman and the and Batman Begins. Um, I, I do. I think this scene's great, and it's just like after. I mean, the different interpretation with the character, but after Schumacher's campy, corny comic book aesthetic that is the Forever and Batman and Robin. It's really great to just go back to what made Batman intimidating and the, with criminals and the way he, you cannot see where he is and the fact that he could be anywhere and just sort of the, the spookiness, I guess you could say, with Batman. And I think this scene really shows how, how intimidating Batman is to the criminal like world. Um, it's a great scene, yeah, and a great introduction. I just really also love the callback to the homeless guy with the coat. And he says, nice coat. And it's just good stuff. Um, yeah. I'm not going to say anything about Batman and Robin. I think I've incited enough chaos for tonight. <laughs> but um, as for Batman Begins, this is a great scene, great, uh, great moment. I think what's so good about this movie is that all of the traditional like origin story and like giving us the backstory on all the famous stuff we know, it all works. Like it's not like shitty stuff like in Solo or something like how you find out what his name was, right? Like he's alone, like so, often, so he's Sam Solo. Yeah, I feel like so often when they do this stuff, like it's just so unsatisfying. But like everything, you know, the first I'm Batman, like you're saying, the bat signal the like discovery of the bat cave the batmobile like it all just works it's like it is one of the greatest if not the greatest origins superhero origin movies and this is like a great origin action scene um to introduce us to the character yeah uh this is without a doubt uh one of my favorite uh introduction scenes in a comic book film uh oh like to the to the character uh bale is perfect as Batman, uh, no, this is uh, it's, of the Nolan films. That's my second favorite, but uh, this scene rules. Uh, absolutely incredible moment. I agree with you, Bar. Right. For, for what it's worth, yeah, I, I do like Batman. Okay. Uh, I hate you. Up. We're gonna move on to Jake's number seventy-three. Oh, it's my turn. Um, so it's funny because we're talking about the, uh, you know, the I'm coming back for everything scene from the social network and how this is probably the best scene from the movie. You can't really think of anything else. I disagree. That's to quote Howard Ratner. I disagree. I'm going with the opening scene from the social network. The opening uh, that's breakup. Okay. 
Scott, your number three. Uh, my 73 is the backseat confession from Drive My Car. Oh, um, <laughs> I, again, I love that this comes up with co-hosts on here. Uh, because all the context you need for this scene happens in the prologue, which uh, is which best is watched not on... Necessary. No, no, it's, scene, it but. is. It is so necessary. It's um, okay, so this scene takes place about two hours into the movie, but um, basically, this movie is about a guy uh, who a a director in the prologue. We learn that his wife has died. She was a screenwriter, and she would come up with the stories for her scripts, basically like while they were having sex. And she tells this one story that is kind of unfinished to him in the opening, um, again in the prologue. And he also discovers in the prologue that she's cheating on him with this younger actor named Takatsuki and he sees them, but he sees them, you know, having sex, but he doesn't think that she sees him or that Takatsuki sees them. Um, skip ahead. The main plot of the movie is that he's directing a play with Takatsuki, the young actor in the lead role. And they start to, you know, get to know each other and, you know, there's this scene where they're riding together in the back of his car, chauffeured by his um, chauffeur, which is, you know, the central relationship of the movie. And it starts off with with Yusuke, who's the main character, kind of revealing his own secret, which is that he and his wife um, lost their daughter. And that created a lot of sort of tension in their relationship. But then um, Takatsuki uh masaki okada is the actor's name he starts telling the second half of the story so like he says oh i you know she told me this story once and uh, he's like oh yeah i've heard this one yeah and he's like no but it has an ending like which you're not aware of and he starts telling the story and hamaguchi's movies are like so dialogue based and he like deliberately doesn't have the actors like show that much emotion so you're really just like hanging on every single word and it's two hours into the movie, so the characters have been built up so well. And you're just sort of waiting to hear the ending of the story and what it represents metaphorically for, you know, what we have seen in the movie. And basically what we learn through the story is that um, his wife uh, probably knew that he knew that they were, that she was having an affair with Takatsuki. Um, and she you know the night that she died she was like oh i want to talk to you when you get home and when he gets home she's dead and so presumably she was going to talk to him about it and never got the chance to so it just deepens that grief that is already present inside him it's also just like super tense for like a scene that is just two people talking I mean, it goes on for like 10 15 minutes and you don't like neither one of them knows what the other person knows like how much the other person knows so there's just like a at any second is one of them going to cross the line and then all of a sudden it's going to kick off. It's an amazing scene. Honestly, I probably shouldn't put it higher. I was laughing, not because of anything to do with the movie, but to do with my favorite letterbox review of all time. <laughs> Alex Martinez Scornado. And if you've never seen his review my car on letterbox, go look it up. It's great. Anyway, uh, I just, uh, I don't fucking like Drive My Car. It's really so long. I don't get it. I don't like it. It's just, ugh. 
Uh, the prologue is redundant, and I'll I'll go to my grave <laughs> screaming it. It's redundant. It's, it's so pointless. Weird. You could have cut forty minutes off of this three-hour snooze fest. You would have also had to cut this scene. About, fulfills the purpose. I don't need to see it for forty <laughs> minutes before we get into the rest of the movie. I don't need it. So bad scene, bad choice. You lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir. Uh, the rest of you drive my car. Uh, Roger Ebert once said that no good movie is too long, and I would imply that uh, with the movie Drive My Car. Um, this is the best scene in the movie. Um, I the whole I, I a recent trend I absolutely love is when the title drops more than thirty minutes into the movie. The fact that the title drops forty minutes, the whole opening prologue, you see the relationship between the between the, the guy and the uh, and his wife, and then it's the, then Drive My Car, and the opening credits, incredible. Then the scene which got uh, explains is just perfect and brings up the whole idea of behind grief and moving on and finding other relationships after sort of a, a tragedy like that. Um, but I also just really love the the simplicity of the the camera work. The fact that it's just this yeah. close up on the guy as he's explaining it directly, almost directly to camera, like you are the main character hearing the story. And finally, because you are with him in the sense that you know how the story starts. You're finding out how it ends and how it sort of connects with his wife. And just, yeah, this is the great scene. I remember watching in the theater going, I had my jaw dropped and I just had my mouth open like, wow, this is like such a powerful scene. Um, one of the best scenes cinema. It's just great. Um, but yeah, I, this is a great scene. And if I if I, if I I felt more strongly about Drone Icar, I definitely think I would have included it. I've only seen the movie once. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, is a, it is a great movie, and it is three hours long. It's just one of those where you just need to put time to be able to watch the movie. Um, but I, I would try, I'm going to try and watch it, uh, re-watch it at some point, but it is, like, such a great scene. Uh, yeah, this is... Um, add this to the list of movies I shouldn't seen in the theater with uh, with someone else. Uh, but, no, this scene is... Perfect. This is the best scene of the film for me. I you need to hire someone to n tell you not to bring your sister to movies. Just like, you know. uh, uh, this one I saw with Cam. This one oh, I saw with Cam. Ultimate. Okay. Yeah, but still, a uh, little awkward at points. But here's the thing. Uh, I was not sure how I felt about this movie when I first saw it. Uh, and the more I think about this movie, the more I like it, and the more I want to rewatch it. But this scene uh, had me the entire time. Uh, it's like a 10 15 minute long scene where you're just basically in the backseat of this car with these two guys and i it had my attention the entire time uh uh what's his i can't think of uh the actor's name right now Toshi Nishijima. thank you nishidema is incredible in this scene but uh i yeah i so badly want to rewatch it uh good pick scott i watched it it was fine. I did. I mean, I haven't thought about this film since then. I watched it on normal speed. I didn't watch like the first forty-five minutes, but then didn't hit as hard for me as other people. But you know, I don't understand cinema as much as you know the complex people in the community. So I'm still working but you're on that. About it, and we love that about you, Cody. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I feel better every day. I feel better every day that. The movies that you guys put in such high regard, Jack also puts in high regard. So that means I'm closer to right than you guys will ever be. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm in a good stance. Uh, well, good yeah. stance. All right. I think you've yiked him more than anyone. Though. Jack Ryan Pinchuk, you're 72. He's yiked me. But yeah. All right. 
Uh, my 72, uh, one of my favorite endings in horror. It's the final scene from The Witch. Yeah. Uh, this scene, like, the, there's a lot of, uh, there, there's a, a fair few movies that I like that make my skin crawl. And that's a, that's a little concerning to me, but this is one of them. And the final scene is masterful. Uh, not basically not, not a word spoken uh, for this, the scene. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is doing so much in this, uh, in this moment uh, from the, uh, throughout the, throughout the film, you see, uh, you see her journey from when she, uh, when she and her family are basically exiled from their, uh, uh, from their village, and uh, they try to make a new life for themselves, and all of the thing, all of the things that happen to her and her family, and how their faith is tested. Uh, it's horrifying at points, and this scene is one of the most just can't look away. Uh, brilliant endings uh where i i watched the film and i'm like there's no other way i could see uh this film ending i think eggers got it perfect uh here uh anya taylor joy is incredible and yeah uh that final shot uh, is haunting brilliant scene Boy, I'll tell you what, this is not a coho movie whatsoever. Uh, this is not a movie I enjoyed. Uh, I don't care for Robert Eggers. Uh, I kind of like, uh, or is it Robert? I don't fucking care. I don't care. Lighthouse, not my movie. The Witch, not my movie. The Northern, yeah, that was good. Uh, but, you know, fucking, I don't care about goats. I don't care about the old timey people. I just, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about Anya Taylor Joy watching a bunch of people get fucked by a goat. That's, I don't care. Listen, Pirates of the this Caribbean, old timey people. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> bad choice, Jack. I'm sorry. I don't like this. I don't like this pick. I don't like this movie. Uh, Cody the Witch. I saw it in 2016. This movie is definitely not me. I did not like it at all. Um, I don't even know what else he's done. I know the Northmen haven't seen it, and I don't know what the other one was. But didn't see it. Either. Huh? The Lighthouse. You should. Oh, you want to talk about a fucking garbage film? Lighthouse. That was. Very Are you fond of me, Oh God! Oh, fucking terrible. Um, oh God, that that movie's one of the most like. I remember everybody texting me, "Who the fuck told you to watch the Lighthouse?" Yeah, like seriously. the messages I got from it. Terrible. This movie, not a fan at all. But of course, Jack puts it on there. Good job, Jack. Um, I saw this movie in 2019. Um, I just missed out on its uh, theatrical run. I don't actually don't even think it got released in Australia. Um, but anyway, um, that um, it's a it's a really cool ending. I kind of just like the idea that she's sort of. I mean, we I guess we're in spoilers with the ending. Um, she sort of it's, accepts her fate, and I think she makes a deal with. Black Phillip, right? Because he's the devil of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that she becomes part of the coven with the witches, and she just starts like just floating. Visually, really cool. Really like that ending. Um, I do think this is probably my favorite scene. I, I do like the whole discussion, um, the whole conversation that Thomason has with Black Phillip, um, aka the devil. Um, so it's between those two scenes. So, but yeah, I think this is a great scene. Yeah, well, Kirk hates this scene too. So uh, you know, there was no. Loss <laughs> yeah, there, there was no winning for me here. Yeah. 
Uh, it's a great movie. It's a great scene. It's still my favorite of Eggers' films, and I agree with you that, yeah, it's a very haunting and memorable way to end it. All right. Uh, Cody, 72. You know, when you talk about complex films, you talk about The Witch, you talk about The Lighthouse, you talk about all these films that are so hard to understand. Um, I think there's not like a movie that's more complex or hard to understand than 1986's Christmas Vacation and the Christmas Rant. Yes. At the end of the movie. Um, This movie is one of those movies that just instantly brings me joy around the holiday season. Um, There's very few movies that bring me joy. Uh, I'm a miserable human being most days. Uh, but this one is definitely one of them, and it's to the, it's Clark Griswold. And the more I become like because I become a dad and stuff, like there's different things of Clark that I just fully understand and fully get a little bit more. Um, and how he's going through this entire thing and like planning something for his family, and he's he's dead set on this bonus that he's going to get every at the end of the year that he always gets, so there's no concern whatsoever about it. And he opens it up. And he's sitting there, the whole family is like, oh, the pool's going to be great, guys. Like, this is, and everybody's like so excited to see how much he's going to get. And he opens it and he's like, the jelly of the month club. And of course, like Randy Quaid, like, uh, butts in and goes, that's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, Gives on giving all year round. Um, and then he's like, he, he like loses and starts like getting angry. And then he's like walking around. He goes, you know what? You're still thinking about the hall. You're still thinking about a, um, a gift that you can give me this holiday season. If you could just, you know, your last minute shopping, and he goes on the most epic rant ever. I cannot do it justice, so I'm not going to quote the whole thing. But uh, like, calls him a lion, low life, piece of garbage, filthy human, blah blah blah. Just he starts mumbling at the end of it. He's like, "Holy shit! Hallelujah! Where's the Tylenol?" Um, it's like the most like dad rant that you've ever seen in your life, and it just it it just is it's something I've heard for gosh I don't know like twenty plus years now, and it's still every time I hear it I laugh so hard at it, and it's it's Christmas, so it's it's Christmas. There's no better way to do it. So uh, yeah, so I had to go with it. Um, it's not popular for everybody, but it's it's definitely my choice. So yeah. So I don't think I've actually ever watched Christmas Vacation. Uh, I've seen this rant. It's great. Uh, I've never actually seen the movie, so this is one that I've been meaning to get around to one of these Christmases, maybe this year. Uh, but I I do I do like this rant. Uh, I don't like Chevy Chase as an actor or a person very much, uh, but I think he is quite good in this. Uh, so I'll give him that credit. Uh, anyone else, uh, Christmas Vacation, The Ramp? I unfortunately have never seen Christmas Vacation. I hope to rectify that this December. This is my It favorite. will be a double feature with Mike. It will be on the I might, so I might be fair on that. This is my favorite holiday movie. Favorite one of my favorite comedies, honestly. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, the scene is great. I think I might have picked like the first scene where Eddie appears, where they're all outside the house, just because I love that one too. Eddie, Eddie, uh, it's it's so great. But I mean, yeah, this is iconic. <laughs> yeah, uh, this scene is incredible. 
Uh, I watch this movie with my family every Christmas. Uh, it's you you can't not watch this movie during Christmas uh, in my family. It's uh, it's it's a tradition that we will never break. Uh, but I've got an uncle who it basically is cousin Eddie. Like he could just uh, he could replace uh, the person in this. Uh, I'm blanking on actor's name right now, but Randy I'm just tired. Yeah, he could he could he could stand in for Randy Quaid, and I'm just like, yeah, no, that's cousin A. But uh, I won't say who that uncle is, just in case they get mad at me. But you know, whatever, I'll see you at Christmas. And uh, no, perfect perfect uh, moment. I'm it it was on an early draft of my list, but it's not on there anymore. So yeah, no. good pick. Fair enough. Uh, all right, Jake, seventy two. Oh boy. All right. All right. Okay. Well, so, Thrilled. I am a big fan of Jason Statham's uh, Crank films. I think yeah. they are action masterpieces, and we should respect how zany and over the top uh, and just fun, goofy fun they are. Um, oh, thank I'm, God. I'm picking a scene from Crank 2 High Vol... <laughs> Yay, he's back! Yo, stay out here. Where'd you go? Do I have to? Oh, Godzilla. You've come this far. That's uh, fair enough. I'll be back. All right. I'm picking the scene that completely takes a complete shift in the action, in just what you would expect from, from Crank High Voltage. At this point, uh, he's chasing a guy who has his heart. Um, he has a mechanical heart. He needs, to need, he needs electricity to keep himself alive. Uh, he sees the guy who's got his heart, chases him into a uh, power, like a power, uh, nickel, nickel, power station, whatnot, and then he gets bumped into electric, and then he... It turns into a Godzilla scene. They both become giant and they start smashing each other. And it is great. It can it takes a complete turn in what you would expect from a from an action movie, especially what Crank has set up previously with its action. It's just like we're just gonna make this a Godzilla scene. So they're all dressed up and they all look big, and it's just like the, the whole power station is just this, like miniature. You see, um, I think there's a cameo by um it's not it's yeah, Lloyd Kaufman. He has a cameo. Um and it's just them smashing. There's a point where Jason Statham flies, like, I don't know, like some sort of um, kaiju or whatever, they, how they do it, and then just smashes, and then he beats them up. And it's great, and it's just really fun. I remember seeing this for the first time, and I could not stop laughing. It just really is hilarious. And it's the whole, the reasons why I like the Crank movies is they don't take themselves seriously. We're not going to have this stupid dialogue. We're not going to try and set up, like, this character motivations character arcs and you know all the bullshit the uh, filler that we need we're going to cut all the fat out and we're just going to have the action and we're just going to be fun and make it goofy and i think this is fun and the godzilla crank scene from crank high voltage is absolutely fun and it's great we all should watch it together let's watch it all after we finish this let's go let's watch it okay not a great start for me uh, I didn't think I was going to be here, so I didn't get the chance to watch this scene. Um, but, but I will say this. I watched Crank because of your recommendation on the Top 100 last year. And I actually kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was fun for what it was. Um, so I do want to see this. It sounds insane. Um, but I, I, like I said, I, I, liked the, I had fun with the first one, so I'll be curious to see, see where they go with it. Coho, uh, are you here? All right, everybody else. Uh, anybody else see Crank High Voltage? I've not. I, I haven't heard of this movie, and hearing you describe it, I'm not even sure this movie exists. Uh, oh, it exists. The first one. 
this the first second. one? Second. This, oh. this sounds wild. I'll have to check it out, but wow. <laughs> okay. I watched 30 seconds. I thought it's 30 minutes of the second one and never watched it again. I think oh, it's absolute so hot garbage. Haven't seen it, but I want to. All right. Uh, then, Scott, we're moving on to your 72? Yeah. Um, all right. I picked... Uh, it's it's spooky season, so let's have a spooky scene. I picked uh, the prom from the original Carrie, mm. and Kyle you know, is not there. But um, yeah, I mean this scene is amazing, and the main reason it's amazing number one is Brian De Palma. Uh, the man is a god, and uh, his use of silence, first of all, to start um, the scene of like. You know, the the bucket falls, she gets doused in the blood, and it's just like, there's just this agonizing silence for, like, so long where she's, like, freaking out, and you wonder, like, what is about to happen, right? Like, she's coming to terms with what has happened to her, and it's like, you know that it's about to get crazy, but you don't exactly know how. Um, and then, you know, the water starts shooting off, the lights start popping, everyone's running for the doors the doors are all slamming shut um and you know all hell breaks loose basically you know de palma loves using his split diopter shots there's some like great split diopter shots of like her face just like contrasted with what she like the havoc that she is wreaking on the gym um the people who are like holding on to the mic stand and get electrocuted is like amazing uh and then it all like culminates with um like her silhouette standing there with like the the stage erupting in flames behind her and it's just like an unbelievable shot again De Palma is such an amazing visual stylist and this is like you know most of the movie is kind of a slow burn and this is where he just like gets to open up his bag of tricks and just unleash um and you know it, it obviously fits with what what is going on in the movie because Carrie herself um you know is hearing her her mother's voice and they're all gonna laugh at you they're all gonna laugh at you and you know just goes nuts and it's electric to watch no pun intended <laughs> yeah it's been a it's been a while since i've seen this one but it is a it's a great like just classic like like you said the palma style the tension building and uh him you know just the use of the i think since his base sex performance is really you know great in this too just because how you know you she thinks like this is her moment and when it comes down to you know yeah. she and she finally breaks like okay enough of this um i think i think she's great in this too yeah so this is a great pick great classic horror movie pick uh coho you got anything on this one i've never seen carrie but i've seen the prom scene everyone has seen the prom scene i think that this is one of those images in horror that just sticks with you so like i can't argue with it being on the list let alone this high um, I don't have a ton of thoughts on Carrie, but I think like the image of like the blood dropping on her and like everything that happens afterwards, like yes, of course, this makes a lot of sense to be on your list. All right, everybody else on Carrie prom scene. Haven't seen the movie, seen the scene, good pick. Uh same with Jack. I've seen the scene, I've never seen the movie. Oh I think the movie is oh, I'm sorry. Good. Just show up and don't. Like, you leave us with this Undertaker up there that hasn't watched any scene and is miserable all night. And then you come back and cut me off. Okay, anyways, great pick. Absolute great pick. I think this movie is like 
Again, 70s horror is probably the best, like, decade for horror. Uh, like, uh, of the ones, I've, I don't watch a ton of horror, but, like, it feels so real. It feels almost like a, like, um, like, re- like, everything feels real, like, how they shoot it in the 70s. And this is one of those movies that I just feel like her performance in that prom scene, everything about it. It gets talked about to this day because of how like iconic it is, but like even within the context of the movies, it's so freaky. It's absolutely and everything that uh, transpires. So I think it's a great choice. I kind of wish I would have put it on mine, but I haven't seen Carrie in a really long time. All right, uh, Jack, here's with your seventy-one. All right, uh, my seventy-one is the church scene from Kingsman: The Secret Service. Yeah, um, one of the best action scenes of the last decade. It's truly incredible. But I love how uh, I I love how uh, like yes, it cuts back and forth between the church and Eggsy watching what's happening. But when when it's in the church and it's actually uh, everything going on there, it uh, edited to look like one long continuous shot, and it's just so uh, technically impressive. And I. And it's just absolute brutal violence. Like there is no, no hint of restraint in this scene. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of movies uh, shy uh, shy away from viol- uh, from violence, uh, but this one just goes all in with it, and it's incredible to see. I this was uh, for the longest time uh, I had not seen the film, but I had seen the scene for. Uh, more times than I could possibly count. It's, yeah, no, this is the scene from Kingsman to pick if you're picking a scene from that movie. Fantastic. The overall, I had this lower, and it, it always kills me when Jack has something higher than me and he gets to talk first. So he like sets the groundworks of a bunch of landmines and stuff that I have to avoid and not say the same <laughs> dumb shit that he just said. Listen, greatest action scene? No, I wouldn't go that far. Is it a lot of fun? And the reason why I put it on my list, absolutely. That's why I put it on my list. I think it's. I think this is one of the first times, like in a comic book like movie, that it gets that crazy of a scene and like how everything is shot and how everything goes. That's why I, I picked the scene. I think if I'm gonna pick something from a comic book movie, I think this is the one that like breaks the mold of like what is normal and what they do in a film. And I think this is exactly how they do it. So I think it's brilliant. Um, Best use of free bird in a movie, I think. So, so. Uh, that's the which might not be. Well, the, I, I still stand. My statement still stands. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I appreciate it for that speed racer comment. Uh, yeah, it's a great scene. Uh, again, it's one of those ones that's been the silver plate now. But you, I got to go back to you know when it first, you know, first time I saw it, how I felt, what it looked like, just how amazing it was. Um, yeah, it just it just stuns you when all of a sudden, like you don't realize what's happening right away, and you just have your like hero of the movie like just start killing people randomly like holy crap what's happening here um and then you kind of like figure out okay he's under the control and everything and everybody else is too um but yeah just great use of and like a movie that at this point hadn't been that violent just going completely over the top with it it was just so shocking so yeah i think the shock value alone uh on that first viewing uh makes it a you know a pretty good uh uh, pick for the list uh coho you probably have some stuff to say yeah i i love king is really great and i think this scene is is the is the cherry on top of that movie 
Um, it, it comes after just some great moments like Manners Maketh Man and 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 like all the different tribute like tribulations and tests that he has to go through. Um, but I think that this is the most entertaining scene in the movie. Just the setup and lead in with Colin Firth uh in the church, uh, and then just having that flip into just the most violent action. Uh and capping it off even with with Samuel Jackson and Colin Firth outside. I think that scene's uh great. Absolutely great choice. All right, everybody else, uh, Scott and Jake were the only two that have this. Haven't seen it. Um, this the same reason why Jack and Cody has this on their top one hundred is the same reason why I have the skydiving shootout and the uh, Godzilla team. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I have to say. Sure. All right. Um, that takes us to Cody's number seventy-one. By the way, I watched that shootout scene. That was so stupid. They like none of this don't make sense, but whatever. Um, so my seventy one is from a movie that a lot of scenes get talked about, but I think when it boils down to it, this is probably my favorite scene from the movie. Like, and it like because it blends the 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 brutalness but the comedy, and it's from Django Unchained. It's Get the Marshal. Um. So it's basically after he gets Django and they ride into town and he goes into the bar and the guy goes, he can't be in here and then runs out and the guy, the sheriff comes in and um, I think it's the sheriff first. Yeah, the sheriff comes in and then he goes, um, uh, well, why'd you call a ruckus in my town? Blah, blah, blah. And then just like shoots him dead. Everybody scurs and goes, now you can go get the marshal because there's a scene where like, who do you want? It's like, Get the sheriff, and then he kills him dead right in the middle of the street. Now you can go get the marshal, and everybody runs and they start doing it. The marshal walks like down the street, and he's like, "Get these things, and god damn it, get him out of the street." Um, it's like one of those like <laughs> scenes, and then this is when like he's in the bar and he's like, "Hey, I just want to let you know that when I come down, I've taken all, I've put down all weapons. When I've come out, I do not want to be shot down like a dog in the street." He's like, so you like you did our sheriff? Precisely. Just like, <laughs> just like, just like your sheriff. I do not want to be shot down like a dentistry. And he goes out and explains, like, why he killed the man. And he's been, like, an infiltrator. And he did it for the sake of him, blah, blah, blah. And I think it just, it sets up the, the world that we're in in Django perfectly. It shows up that character. And it's got the, co- the comedic elements that go along with this movie. But with the brutality of him just, like, shooting somebody dead. Because... The weirdest thing about him is he's a dentist, like that drives around in bounty hunts and like takes people out. And it's like brilliant how they set up the scene. And I could have picked a lot from this movie because I think there's a lot of really great scenes. But I think this one is like, like I even saw people when I brought it up. They're like, what? and now I described it. Oh yeah, because it's one of those scenes that doesn't get talked about in enough light. So get the marshal. Yeah, I think you said everything. Uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head with this. It's perfectly sets up just basically how cheap life is in this world. First of all, um, you know, just how like you could just shoot people down, and it's not. It's 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 upsetting, but like nobody's really devastated. It's like, oh, why'd you shoot that guy? Kind of thing. Um, and it, like I said, it hits that the, the, the humor on it too, like that just that tone of it's it's kind of funny that you shot him. Um, so no, I think it is a great scene. I don't know if this is the scene I would pick from this movie, um, but I think, like you said, it's a great scene to set up, and it's just a great, um, you know, like I said, sets the tone so well. So I think it's a, I think it's a pretty solid pick. Yes, 
just real quick. The, there's a scene from this movie, and it could be brought up, but I don't think we need to talk about at length that he cut his hand again. Like, I'm just saying that on the stand. I think there's a scene, and I think there's other scenes, but, yeah. like, I don't need another moment of talking about the real blood. So okay. that's why I didn't pick it. That's fair. Koho, what do you got on this one? I think this is the best scene in Django Andre. Uh, I love this scene. Uh, this is very high on my own personal scenes list. Uh, I think that it it's that thing where... I totally understand how Waltz was nominated and won the Oscar. And like, it's four scenes like this. He just is so good at just like when they first get there, he's like, I get the sheriff, not the marshal. Remember the sheriff. Uh, and just like, like Cody saying, he comes on. You promise not to shoot me down like a dog in the street uh, is just great all the way through the way that Django just has no idea what's going to happen in the scene and what they're doing. And he just has to kind of trust Schultz. Um, and I think it's the best sort of like, there's a lot of great moments that Schultz gets throughout the movies or throughout the movie. Uh, but I think that this is the scene that I think best defines that character and that performance. Uh, it's the funniest bit they have. You could have honestly picked uh, big daddy's plantation scene also. Cause I think that is also like a really great moment, but for the other side of that coin with Django. Um, but I think that uh, this, I, I love Dr. King Schultz as a character. I love how Tarantino writes him. Uh, I think this is his best scene. Absolutely great choice. You could have even had this higher on your list, personally. All right, everybody else on this one. Uh, I honestly think you could have like five or six scenes from Django Unchained, like when he kills the brothers or the shootout at Candyland. Um, there's, there's, there's many great scenes, and I'm kind of upset that I didn't have uh, this or any of the scenes from Django, to be honest. Um, uh, this is a great scene. Um, I do love sort of the inversion of, oh yeah, I'm killing the sheriff and he turns out he's actually a criminal and this is a bounty that I'm collecting. Um, really good stuff. I just love the little moment where after he kills the sheriff, you see like, I think, yeah, it's a woman who faints after he's killed her, him. It's just like, just really good moments like that where I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm even partial to like the montage uh set to i got a name of them just like you know collecting on a bunch of bounties and like making their name basically but yeah this is a great pick it plays perfectly to like the drollness of christoph waltz and just like the punchline of him coming into the town like bring a black man into the bar killing the sheriff and then at the end like that he has the audacity to be like oh you owe me you know two hundred dollars or whatever it is <laughs> like it's a great punchline at the end of all of it yeah, no, this is a great scene. Uh, I don't know. There's so many scenes that you could pick from this movie. Uh, Jake mentioned a couple of them. Also, the dinner and the, the scene with the KKK uh, mm. is really darkly comedic, but it's... Nobody bought an extra bag. <laughs> it never fails to make... That was my second choice. It's, <laughs> it, it, like, this movie's so good, but uh, when it when it comes down to it... Uh, you can't go wrong with this scene. So good pick, Cody. All Thanks, right. Jack. Uh, uh, Jake, give us your 71. Uh, let me see. Oh, yeah, 71. All right. So we're talking about action and great action scenes. I'm picking one from the early 2000s. This is very different. This is not like the Godzilla scene from Crank. This is not like the Skydang shit. This is actually like legitimately one of the best action scenes ever. Uh, I'm talking about the, the, I guess we could say the, the, the one take corridor hallway fight scene from old boy 2003 not the terrible one um this is amazing in its execution 
the way the simplicity of the camera movement it's like a beat-em-up in a video game where the camera is just following the main character as he beats like 10 15 people and it's not done in like an expendable sort of he's just the baddest motherfucker and can just beat everyone up no he struggles he has a hammer he loses the hammer it turns into a knife he then punches it's just and you see him throughout the sequence and he's losing his breath and he's just like just getting ready and the fact that they can only go like one or two at a time like it's not like like it's 15 people they can all just surround him but because it's stuff a corridor you can't get everyone just to just demolish him so it just it makes sense in the in the movie for it to be just one person versus two people at the time or three people at a time and just the way the choreography it never feels staged or like over choreographed you just you understand that it's just like the way they're able to punch and the way they're able to fight it just feels real um the scene goes for like four or five minutes and like slowly as it goes like he starts to get more exhausted um, just a really well executed scene. And the fact that, you know, I really love one take, uh, see, uh, scenes. Like I just, I really love that sort of stuff. It's one of my favorite, like just movie sort of things, uh, when I watch movies, um, and just the whole way it's choreographed and executed is, is honestly flawless. And it's, it is talked about a lot and I'm sure it will be continued to talk about after today, but, um, I do think it's just a fantastic, fantastic action scene. All right, Jake. Now you're getting somewhere. I don't yes. Know. I've been giving I've been giving you a hard time for <laughs> deservedly so for the past well, couple weeks. Yeah, but okay. Now bring me more like this, and you'll start to redeem yourself. I know this is a great a great fight scene. This is fantastic. Um, like you said, I, I'm a sucker for one takes too. That's a, that's the a thing with me. One takes, long takes, um, however you want to say it. But um, and yeah, just the fact that it's not like a super choreographed like like pretty looking fun fight like it is sloppy it is messy and i just love how they're you know he's swinging that hammer around and they're coming at him and they're all getting just hit and like you know they're reacting like they're really getting hit with a hammer so like they're going down or like they're toughing it off like it's like how i got hit with a hammer and then uh you know they'll, they'll stop and they're all breathing it's like oh gotta go again like just they're just just it just keeps going and going and going no it's this is a fantastic fight scene i love this so much i wish it was more like this um i know they did like the, the fight scene in the the first season of daredevil was highly influenced mm. by this and um i just wish people would do more things like this because i hate like especially like when there's supposed to be like emotion and like people like really feeling things but it's like this perfectly choreographed dance that they're doing while they're fighting um i'm kind of sick of that i wish i'd do more stuff like this uh Co, you seen this one? I have not seen Old Boy. Right. Uh, I have been very hesitant to watch Old Boy. Uh, just because, like, <laughs> I it's one of those that I like save that I'm scared to watch because, like, people love it so much that if I don't like it, I'm not ready for that reaction. So, yeah. Uh, anybody else consider putting this one on your list? I have not seen it. I've stayed so far away from this because I haven't been able to see it. I know of this fight, I've heard things, but I've never watched it. Coho. Were you in California? I was in California when Payson and Boatman went and watched oh, yeah. Old Boy, and Scully and I said, nah, we're going to go get a drink. Should have, man. We're going to get hammered at the bar. Right. Scully went and got drunk an hour. Long or Island iced teas. <laughs> Interesting call. We had a good call. It was a good bar. This movie, this movie is one of my biggest blind spots, actually. I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen it, but I want to. All I right. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'll keep check, it short. Check, I want check. so badly to see it. I had the thing in this movie spoiled for me, so I oh, kind of just nice. like stayed away from it because I'm. Uh, I have seen clips of this 
scene, but never the full thing. I've heard nothing but great things. I just want to say, for the record, I wanted to include the twist, but it is such a good twist, and I knew that none of you had seen it. I did not want to include it on my top 100 because I need everyone to watch it because it's, like, too good of a movie. If you guys haven't seen it, I recommend easing yourself in with the Spike Lee version first. (laughs) And then watch the Stay far away from the Spike Lee film. (laughs) All right, uh, Scott, take us home. Um, all right, my 71 is the frozen in time scene from The Worst Person in the World. Yikes. Okay, I thought so. Right. Easy enough. Okay, um, I have thoughts on your picks for tonight, but it's only fair that the man who sat here and uh, heard your arguments gives the score. So, um, Coho, go ahead and break it down for this week. Okay, so I don't know which way I want to do this first. Do I want to? I'm going to start with the best and work my way down to last, yeah. I guess. We'll yeah. do it that way. Uh, your winner tonight is Cody Newberry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Cody had the most collectively good list. He also, you know, had the advantage of knowing I was hosting and I got to see a lot of his clips because he sent them to me personally. So, like, I saw the Braveheart clip. I saw the Color Purple clip. The only one uh, I hadn't seen on your list was Black Mass. Um, and I think all of the scenes that you have here are, at the very least, quite good. Um can't really complain about those. Second place is going to be Jack Pinchuk. Um, Same as always. I think that's, Jack, that's what's going to be. I think Jack's list is pretty collectively strong. Even the stuff you didn't get to talk about tonight, like I won't be back. So I could just say things like the, pirates, things like the Green Mile and and Spider Verse and, and Ten Minutes I Loved. Um, the only thing you had that I didn't love was the Witch. Um, I don't like love the Hurt Locker, but like I can see how someone would. Uh, third place. Uh, Scott Harvey, uh, your Frozen in Time scene, I love. Uh, I also really like the ending Nanka Gems. Uh, Pirate, you had Jack's intro from The Curse of Black Pearl, so instantly you were coming last. The Rogue Nation underwater dive, Daisy Kavis. Uh, a lot of good picks, just not a lot of ones that I would necessarily say I love. Uh, and Jake Marangoni coming last uh, because uh, for uh, Rubber. And two other guys. But you didn't even say. You didn't even say the same. So you can't say that. Oh, Jake, no, I yes, don't have to see rubber. Yes, it's you fucking rubber, Jake. It's rubber. Okay. I don't have to see as, rubber. You know, it's awful. As, as the original host of the show, Kirk, is your what co-host ratings and yours, are there any difference that you would have made? Um, I think you would have been first. Um, I think... Uh, Oh man, I think Scott probably would have been my second. Okay, um, that's what I felt like. How the yeah, day, Scott would have came in second. And this, this, this is this is how it's, I mean my my scores will obviously determine the finale. So this is just for the week. Um, but I think yeah, I probably would have went. Jack, Jake improved. Jake had some decent picks this week, um, but I think Jack still probably would have been my third. Cool. Nice. All right. Well, that is our show. Um, next week, I will be here for the whole thing. I think Coho will be here next week. So for the first time, we will have the entire team for the entire show. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, knock on wood. But uh, until next time, thank you all for tuning in. Coho, thank you for filling in for me. Panel, thank you for being here. Everybody, thanks for watching. See you next week. Intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Drunk, get angry. Come on, break the lousy cup. Ow! I hurt my arm. Fuck.
not expect everybody everybody i'm going there soon you know is that so where are you going uruguay well you go uruguay and i'll go mine